You're listening to the Goal Line Stand Podcast with Jackson Caudell and Kobe Reed, where we break down all things college football, including breaking news, recruiting, gameplay, and more. Let's get straight to it. Welcome to our first live stream of the Goal Line Stand podcast. It's been a long time coming. This is your host, Jackson Caudill. That is your co-host, Kobe Reed. Kobe, welcome to the 21st century. We have now discovered the technology that is live streaming. And, you know, this isn't 19, this is, or, you know, 2014 anymore. We're not just doing podcasts anymore. This is officially our first live stream. Appreciate all that are welcome in. Uh, We'd love it if you would like, subscribe to the YouTube channel, podcast, wherever you get Wherever you listen to your podcast, it'd be greatly appreciated. But we are live for our 2023 SEC preview. Kobe, how you doing, man? Doing good, brother. It feels so good to do this. This is officially season two, episode one of the Goal Line Stand podcast. We got through last season just strictly doing podcasts, but now we wanted to figure out how we can up, upgrade our game a little bit. We wanted to move to live streaming and dip our toes in the waters a little bit and see how that how that would go. Yeah, I know. Like we, we we sound like some Neanderthals. Like we we it took us it took us forever to just figure out that live stream and stuff, man. But like it, it's just like our normal podcast format, man. It's just you know we're talking we're talking college football. What what is better than that? And you know SEC media days are going on right now. Like it, it there's about six weeks left. You're getting that that yeah. little sense in the air as well as the the hundred degree heat here in uh, Northeast yeah. Georgia. So, um, so I yeah, I saw a clip of Nick Saban talking at. SEC media days today. I was ready to run through a brick wall. I'm ready. For, I'm ready for a season to start. Yeah, you're ready for that Middle Tennessee State. Those Blue Raiders to come into Tuscaloosa, right? It'll be a dog fight, man. <laughs> but anyways, man. So as usual, um, not a lot of Georgia Tech news. You know, uh, at as if any of y'all don't know, I cover Georgia Tech for um, Fan Nation's All Yellow Jackets. There's not a lot of Georgia Tech news going on right now. ACC media days are next week. Um, Lamiles Brooks, Daquan Dows, or not, not Daquan, Jordan Williams is going to be there. It's it's going to be just great. Uh, that's ACC is the conference of champions. We're, we all know that here. We might be talking about the SEC, but we all know where the good football lies. So we're we're excited for that next week in Charlotte. I will be there. We'll be providing content. So be sure to check all that out at allyellowjackets.com. You ready to talk SEC football? Let's get straight to it. All right, man. So we're going to talk a little like our five big questions of the SEC. Now, obviously, Georgia is the defending – not only the SEC champ, they're the two-time defending national champion. They haven't lost – do you remember the last time they lost a regular season game and who it was to? If I had to guess, Alabama 2020? Close. They, they did lose Alabama 2020. But they also lost to Florida that year. Kyle Pitts, Kadarius Tony. That was the last time Georgia lost a regular season game. So, good luck to all that that are on this schedule. Um, that's kind of where I want to start as far as five biggest questions go. As, as for me, it's just like, can Georgia three peat? That's something we've never seen done before, at least in the modern era. I think Minnesota in the '30s or something like that was the last time a team three-peated and you know you just you take a glance at the schedule and like my answer is uh I, they're they're like 
spoiler alert, they're going to the college football playoff, whether you like it or not. Like they're they're not going to lose in the regular season. So it's you know, they're gonna be picked apart relentlessly. Just, you know, like I, you're familiar with it as an Alabama fan. Like it's just when you get to that level, it's just every little thing and it starts to get annoying. Like yep. they're they're gonna pick this team apart, you know, any little thing they do. Like I, I'll just throw it over to you. Like, is there any? What, what's the biggest thing that might prevent a three P from Bulldogs? Um, probably the pressure, to be honest with you. Because if you sit there and look at their schedule, they have a cakewalk of a schedule. Granted, it is not their own fault. They did have who was Oklahoma scheduled for the regular season, but mm-hmm. as we all know, Texas and Oklahoma are coming to the SEC next year, so they scheduling conflicts they didn't want to do that. But the pressure, because you got to think of it. Look at how Nick Saban and Alabama are are judged today they're not judged compared to the rest of college football they're judged to compare to previous Alabama teams so like whenever you sit there and think oh how good is this Alabama team you're comparing them to those 2020 teams the 2016-2017 that even that 2011 team 2009 you judge them compared to that this year you got a really different looking Georgia team you don't have Stetson Bennett that seemed to be at Georgia forever uh you don't have the Nolan Smith, Nakobe Dean, Jordan Davis, all everybody's gone that got you those two national championships just about. Now you got a new face of the program. You got Carson Beck, who I'm guessing is going to be the starting quarterback, who everybody thinks is going to be starting quarterback. Um, you got a new running game, no James Cook there, anybody's Amir White, all of them, everybody's gone. So it's really a new-looking team. And if as far as a three-peat, I think everything plays out. Roster-wise, they're the most talented in the country outside of maybe Alabama. But you look at the schedule, there's not a team they should lose to in the regular season. Maybe somebody would want to throw Tennessee in there. We'll probably get to that a little later in the show. Um, But there's no reason they should lose. They should be well-rested. I think injuries will be at a minimum for this team this year, God willing. Um, Everything is really lining up for them to be able to be back in that college football playoff, like you said and be able to be healthy enough to make it to another championship. Now, will they win it? That is the question because there's a lot of good teams around the country this year. There's a lot of good quarterbacks. There's a lot of good rosters out there. We could see Ohio State and Michigan. You could see a Texas. You could see a Florida State or Clemson. You got USC out in the Pac-12. You got a lot of teams that could stop them come playoff time. But as far as the SEC and their SEC play – I, there's no reason they shouldn't be in the SEC championship, and they probably have the best chance to win the SEC championship this year. Yeah, I mean, I think all eyes are going to be on Knoxville. I think November 18th when they go there. Like, I think that's the game everybody has circled at least as a potential upset. They do go to Auburn. Uh, we're going to get into Georgia in just a second, but I think, you know, just the question, can can they win three straight national championships, three straight college football playoffs? It's all in front of them. I mean, you're talking about it would cement them forever. Um, it, it, it's crazy to think about because just two years ago, they had one in forty years. You know what I'm saying? It's just a flip of a switch, man. It's so crazy. So, the team that everybody used to talk about that still thinks they're the stand in the SEC. We're going to kind of group two questions into one because I have a question about Alabama. Kobe has questions about Alabama. Alabama fans have questions about Alabama. So it's is Alabama talented enough without a proven elite passer right now? And are they going to get back to the college football playoffs? As the Crimson Tide expert on this show, I'm going to toss it to you because I've, I do have a lot of questions about this team offensively. 
Are they talented enough? Yes, it's not even close. I mean, you go look at the last three recruiting classes, I'm pretty sure they finished top two in each of the last few recruiting classes. Um, talent, yes. Uh, but the big question here is, are they going to have a quarterback that is talented enough to get them back at the top of college football? I don't think you need that. I really don't. We've been spoiled, and I'm speaking from personal experience, we've been spoiled as Alabama fans to have a Tua Tungabaloa to have a Mac Jones, to have a Heisman winner in Bryce Young. We have been blessed and spoiled by having an elite passer of the quarterback at the college level. Um, but with that being said, let's not forget how Bama got to the top of the college football world. You, We won a national championship with Jake Coker, right? You remember who Jake Coker is. Yeah. We made it to a college football playoff with Blake Sims at quarterback. We had A.J. McCarron. We won one back in 09 with Greg McElroy at quarterback. It doesn't take an elite quarterback to win a national championship. I think the game has transitioned to a little bit more of a pass happy, a little bit more he like heavy offensive style of game. But look at what Georgia just did. Stetson Bennett is not a Caleb Williams. Stetson Bennett is not a Trevor Lawrence of a quarterback. And what he did at Georgia was remarkable. He was surrounded by incredible talent. He was able to really you saw his progression over the last three years or so of him just being more comfortable, not trying to force passes against elite teams, but really just taking command of a game. He could be a game manager. And we've also seen him air it out. But with that being said, I don't think Alabama needs an elite passer of the football to make that happen. Now, can Jalen Milrow or Ty Simpson or for some reason, Tyler Buckner? Could they prove that one of them is a an elite passer of football? Yes. Will that help Alabama? Yes. But I think Alabama is talented enough across the board defensively and offensively that they can get it done without a quarterback having to throw for 4,000 yards in a season. So can they win most of the games on their schedule without an elite passer? Yes. Can they be LSU, Georgia, if they get in the playoff, Ohio State, Michigan, whoever? I, I, I just don't think so. Like, I, you know – I'll take their roster second and nine. I, I might even take it over Georgia's, to be perfectly honest with you. Just I think this defense is going to be nasty. But, like, when it comes down to it, and I, I will say this first, I said the, the exact same comments I'm, I'm about to make. I made about Stetson Bennett for two years. So, like, take my opinion with a grain of salt. Um, I just don't think you win a college football playoff, right? Like, if Tyler Buckner's a starting quarterback, like I, I'm just not I, – I, I just can't – Ohio State is going to be good enough on offense. Penn State, Michigan, that like they're – USC. Like, if you get into shootout with one of those teams, like we've seen over the course of the years, like I don't care how good your defense is. I just don't. Like, elite offenses are going to score points. The question is, like, if it comes to it, are you going to be able to keep up? And, you know, maybe they can in the right matchup. Like, you know, I, I just brought up USC. They, mm -hmm. We know they don't play defense. So, like, they might just be able to run the ball and whatnot. But, like, I just think when it gets into teams that are as talented or at least within the, the stratosphere of Alabama, yeah. man, you're going to need um, elite quarterback play. And, and until further notice, like, the one – the little sample we have out of Jalen Milrow, like, he made highlight plays against Arkansas. He did enough to beat Texas A&M. I remember sitting there watching that game. I, I don't think you've ever been more relieved of a game after you called me after that game, just of a win. It was just like, you know, in spite of, of everything that happened. It was anxiety-inducing, to say the least, like that. It was nerve-wracking. 
yeah, it was just, you know, it was it was insane. It was, you know, and I just don't think, you know, if you if you face elite opponents, you're going to be able to win and like that. I could be proven wrong. Like for all I know, Ty Simpson is is much better. Because here's the thing: you have we have we have to point out, and to be fair, it's Tommy Reese's first offseason putting in his yeah. offense. It was his first spring. Ty Simpson has not played much. I don't think at all. Correct. You not know, so it's there is a learning curve there, and you have to take spring football with a little bit of grain of salt. Like I know fans, when things look great in spring, they're rushing to to advertise how good their team looks. When things don't go well, it's always well, you know, it's just a spring. Who cares? You know, we've got this, got this. So excuses are always going to be abound. But man, I, I just don't until until noted otherwise. I, I got a lot of questions about the the quarterback position at Alabama. Yeah. Another two for one special we got going here is going to be about Texas A and M. I don't think I have seen a five and seven team more discussed than Texas A and M. Like it has just been <laughs> rampant, and I'm already sick of it. I'm sick of it, mostly because the person in question of trying to help them I can't stand. So um, I speak for all Atlanta Falcons fans when I say that too. Maybe even Arkansas fans, and who knows, maybe the Missouri State fans I know that watch this podcast probably can't stand him either. But anyway, um, can Bobby Petrino come in and save this Texas A&M offense, which was putrid? Like, you know, last year it was kind of weird. You know, we sat there, me and you talked all offseason about the Texas A&M-Miami game, how big, how big that was. We watched – now looking back in retrospective of that – both of those offenses were disgusting, and the fact that I had to sit down and watch that—that that was, was like crazy. watching paint dry. I remember that vividly, dude. You get rough. down, in the, getting down in the red zone, and Mario Cristobal just wanting to play field goal games. But I digress. Um, look, I have—I don't know how this is going to go. Like, I think anybody that tells you if they have a good read on this situation and how it's going to go is crazy. Because Bobby Petrino and Jimbo Fisher are, are two big personalities. Like it's, you know, we've already, and again, Jimbo could just be playing it off. I'm sure he doesn't want to talk to the media about it, but, you know, he's talking about what kind of offense it's going to be. Is he going to call plays? Is there a quarterback competition? Apparently, I don't know who with. Um, I, I just, I don't know. What, what kind of record would Texas A&M have to have to, to pull that 80, what, $86 million trigger they got going there? I think anything worse than what they did last year, to be honest with you, you get six wins, you barely make a bowl game with that talented of a roster. Cause we, we got to sit back and think they just set the record for like the highest rated recruiting class in history. Not too long ago. Yes. A bunch of those kids have left, but they still have a lot of good talent on that team. If they sit there and bar are barely bowl eligible at the end of the regular season, that's going to be a conversation we're going to have to have. But let me ask you this, what's what's different between the situation at A&M and the situation at Clemson as far as offensive coordinators? Because I think it's a little bit easier to talk about Clemson whenever they've been winning. Like they've had nine wins each of the last how many seasons? Mm -hmm. uh, they've won how many national championships? But it's kind of the, a similar scenario where you have a big personality as a head coach in Dabo or in a Jimbo but they've always kind of done things their own way until they figured out real quick that it didn't work. And you got – oh, crap. Who's offensive coordinator at Clemson? Garrett Yeah, you got Garrett Riley going into Clemson. What's the difference between that and Bobby Petrino going to Florida uh, – Texas A&M? 
I, I think just despite their struggles, Clemson's still better on offense than Texas A&M. They, they won an ACC championship last year. Like Winning is going to cure a lot of those things. Like Texas A&M, they have one pretty good season in Jimbo Fisher's time there, and it was the COVID year, which I, I'm not – here to don't you dare put an asterisk on I, that. I'm not, I'm not, don't you do it. That Alabama team is as, almost as good as any I've ever seen. That I'm not taking that away. I'm just saying, when you look at the body of work, like it's not like Alabama ha- hasn't won any other titles with Nick Saban where you can't point to anything but that. Like they have one pretty good season, like and they almost made the playoff, but we all would have known, we all know what would have happened if they got in there. Yeah. So, you know, it's. I just think this is – I don't know what to do with them. Now, we'll, we'll get into this more when we talk about it here in just a second. Like, I think their defense could be as good as anybody's in the SEC, to be perfectly honest. I, I would agree. Yeah. I would put them on the same level as LSU's talent-wise. But, yeah, it's just not – schedule's tough. If they go to Miami and lose and that offense struggles, we got content for days, I'm telling yeah. you. It's going to be – like, there, there's not going to be any holding back on this one. It's going to be – Oh my goodness! Yeah. Somebody, one team that I I doubted last preseason that you were on much earlier than I was was the Tennessee Volunteers, and one of my biggest questions heading into this season yeah. is this real? Is this not just a flash in the pan? Like, is this here to stay? Is this Hendon Hooker's gone? Cedric Tillman's gone? Jalen Hyatt's gone? Darnell Wright is gone? Like, is, do they just? get out of bed, roll out, and score 50 points, nearly 50 points a game again? Will that offense be as dynamic as it was last year? That's hard to say because what Hendon Hooker and that team did last year, they put on a clinic against about just everybody they faced. Now, this begs the question, I think they're more talented at the quarterback position. I think Joe Milton or Nico is a far more talented quarterback than Hendon Hooker. You can say Hendon Hooker is a product of the system, I think he was just always that good. When you have players like that, especially transfer players, nobody was talking about Jamison Williams at Ohio State. No, Nobody was doing that. Like Jalen Hurts wasn't even Jalen Hurts when he was at Alabama. The Jalen Hurts you've seen in the NFL, a lot of that is attributed to Lincoln Riley. And as an Alabama fan, I have no problem saying that. It takes the right coach to bring the best out of their players. That's what you saw out of Hendon Hooker and Josh Heupel last year. Now, I think you have a little bit more talent at the position. I think that Josh Heupel's system, the culture that he has created at Tennessee, and now the talent that he's putting on the field and the talent he's picking up and recruiting, pretty sure I just saw he's like in the running or he just got a five-star wide receiver commit a couple days ago. Like What he's doing in recruiting, he has changed the face of that program from being just another laughing stock in the SEC East to now they're – they look like they could be a contender if they're good enough. They got to like upgrade some things on the back end, which I think they've done. Uh, we saw them make moves in the transfer portal, everything else. I think this Tennessee team is here to stay. I really do. Yeah, like I think that's going to be just one of the biggest storylines. You know, it's – I'm just – I'm still in, in wait and see mode a little bit because I, I think a lot is just presumed now that they had just one good season. I, I'm just a fan of seeing it multiple times. Like yeah, what they did last year was great. You know, I, I picked Alabama to beat them. I, I kept picking against them, and it, it just didn't turn out well for me until they went to Athens. So, I, I'm just – I'm really fascinated because there is – if there is only one team, in my opinion, that can remotely challenge Georgia in the East, and even oh, then, it's, I just, long it's shot, it's Tennessee. Like the, the yeah. 
Tennessee is in a class of their own in the East. Is they're not as good as Georgia, but to me, they're a lot better than everybody else. But is yeah. that going to be good enough? Because man, they, with the schedule they have, like eight and four is like not totally out of the question. Like it, it, it's really not. And is that a bad season for them? I don't think so. No, I don't, I don't think so. I'm just yeah, you know yeah. when you're coming off a season like they had, they were one win from the college football playoff, but like they laid an absolute stinker against South Carolina in that last game. If they win that, like I do think they get that last playoff spot. Like I really do. So when you're coming off a season like that, you're recruiting pretty well. You got arguably the most talented high school quarterback in the country now. So expectations are raised. You know, eight and four. I would have thought that was a good season for them last year because their schedule was really hard last year. Is that going to be? Does that suffice for their fans? Like that. That's kind of. We we know how Tennessee fans can be. It's going to be. They're they're a great group, but they 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 can be a handful. So. Yeah. Speaking of the team that beat Tennessee last year, ended their playoff hopes, sent them to the Orange Bowl where they beat Clemson, was South Carolina. Mm-hmm. And for most of the season last year until a just crazy three-game stretch, Spencer Rattler was not very good at all. Yeah. Like it, After transferring in from Oklahoma, you had all the hype, all this, that. Was not good at all for most of the year. And then he absolutely just went scorched earth. It turned into yeah. – Patrick Mahomes mixed with Tom Brady mixed with Peyton, like whatever. Like it was just, it was insane what he did the last few games, beating Tennessee, beating Clemson, and putting up a great showing against Notre Dame in that bowl game. Like uh, he was, he was pretty. They cool. have all their starters. I'm confident they win that game. That that's the thing is at South Carolina was missing so much, and like they they almost pulled that game out. That was a fantastic game, by the way. Like that that's worth a rewatch. But um, now. <laughs> excuse me. Two of the first three weeks of the season, we're going to see if if that's really if it was maybe more of the the play calling. There is a new offense coordinator in South Carolina now. You get North Carolina week one. I don't think anything's going to be fully answered because I can tell you firsthand, North Carolina's defense is stunk. I don't know how good it's going to be this year either. That's going to be the Drake May versus Spencer Rattler headline. Yeah. That's exactly what that's going to be. Who can who can outscore the other QB and? But the real thing is when they go to Athens week three. Like, that yeah. that's going to be the, the big test here and, and one that I'm anxious to watch. So, yeah, I have no idea what version we'll see. But, you know, that's a player – I don't think they're – I don't know that there's another player where there's so many wide-varying opinions of in the country, maybe more than Spencer Rattler. I could be wrong on that. Yeah, and here's the thing with Spencer Rattler. I'm still on the Spencer Rattler, Spencer Rattler hype train. The kid is talented. Let's not forget, like, he just wasn't the number one quarterback in his high school class. I understand there's documentaries put out about him where he has a bad attitude. We saw how he reacted when he got replaced by Caleb Williams at Oklahoma. The attitude, the locker room stuff, yes. That was two, three, four years ago. Like, let's think about that. He's matured enough to win over A, Shane Beamer, a new head coach at a new school that he he went to last summer. Um, He won over the locker room. Despite struggles they had offensively and everything else during the season last year, he still won them over. And then against two of the best teams in the country last year, a Tennessee and a Clemson, dude showed you what kind of talent he had. I remember he was one of those first quarterbacks. We see it now with every high school recruit in the country. We see it at NFL Pro Days. We see everybody jumping up, doing 360 sidearm throws for 40 yards downfield. We see all, Spencer Rattler was one of the first guys I ever saw do that back when he was in high school. Kid, Kid's a talented dude. If he can figure it out and if he can have enough talent around him, 
I don't see why he can't do that every game. I really don't. It takes one season to become a first-round draft pick. Clearly, it takes one season. If Anthony Richardson can get drafted in the top five alone, not even completing 60% of his passes last year just off his intangibles alone, imagine what Spencer Rattler, with his high school hype, with his intangibles, with his talent, and then he gets gets the college production and can get some seven, eight, nine wins for South Carolina this year. There's nothing bad anybody can say about him. All that stuff in the past is going to be gone. I remember his first season starting at Oklahoma. Kid was a stud. He showed promise. He was a Heisman contender throughout the season. The kid is good. I think people forget that. And I think now that he's on South Carolina, they've been a punching bag in the East since, what, 2010, 2011. People don't have high expectations. And there's a negative vibe around them. I think if Spencer Rattler can carry the momentum he had at the end of last year into this new season, I think South Carolina can be very, very good in the SEC East. Yep, and we're going to get to them more in just a second. But we're going to stick in the SEC East for one of your big questions. And I I wanted to put them down. They just didn't make it on my list. But it's Billy Napier and the Gators. Like, they they were among – they were pretty disappointing last year. Um, I don't – you know, the bowl game, it is what it is. Like, they got blown out by my Beavers. Like, one, anybody could have got blown out by that Oregon State team last year. Like, let's be honest with it. But – uh, a team that had no interest in being there is certainly yeah. like they're just not going to be able to, to stand up to the turnover chainsaw. Like you just, they're not going to be able to do it. So they, they're going to be under a lot of scrutiny now to their credit. They do have the number, I think three recruiting class in the country on two, four, seven sports right now. Really bags, baby. Scared money. The don't question make is if they go five and seven or six and six, does that stick? Like, can you have two straight yeah. years like that at Florida and stick? Like, that's my biggest question. Yes. Obviously, the quarterback thing. I, I you know, if if Graham Mertz is the guy, Heisman Mertz. That, nah. hey, that's the word in games, though, man. You said that, not me. <laughs> um, you know, it, it. I don't know. It just kind of like Anthony Richardson was always based more on potential, but the fact that he was a top five pick in the NFL and like they looked atrocious a lot some of the time last year. Uh, I don't know, and they 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 couldn't figure anything out. They ran the ball well last year. Like their offensive line was low key, one of the SEC's best. Yeah. But this is a team I'm not. We're gonna. I'm gonna discuss more later. I'm not very high on this team at all this season. So, but what? Well, well, how how are you? How are you feeling about uh, Sun Belt Billy Napier in in Gainesville this year? There's a lot of questions, but this isn't a. This isn't one of those processes that can be flipped around in year two. We had, and I've talked about this on the pod before. College football, I understand everybody just wants an overnight change when you hire a head coach. Everybody just wants the program to be turned around and be conference champions, contenders, national championship contenders. Like that's all everybody expects. That's not going to happen. Billy Napier is playing in a conference where he has to go, he has to play LSU, he has to play Georgia, he has to play Tennessee. This isn't an easy job, it's not for everybody. Like, what's the next best option here? You fire him after this season because he makes another bowl game, but he only gets seven wins, and you just hope for an NFL offense coordinator to come down and take the job, or you wait for somebody over on the West Coast to say they need a job. you got to take what you have and take it for what it is. This is a rebuilding team. This isn't – nobody's expecting them to be national championship contenders. He is racking it up in the recruiting trail right now. Going into year two, you're looking to establish some identity in that Florida program. Like, you remember the identity whenever you had Urban Meyer back in the day? Like, that yeah. dynasty they had? 
you just knew who the Florida Gators were. As long as you had Tim Tebow at quarterback, Urban Meyer as a head coach, you knew what you were going to see when you saw Florida football. You got to establish that, but it takes more than two years to do so. Look at Mike Norvell at Florida State. We'll talk about this at the ACC preview. It takes a couple years. It mm-hmm. takes recruiting. It takes the transfer portal. It takes all. That's the name of the game now. It isn't just you, you're not. Everybody's not Kirby Smart. You can't go into a a program and just be in a national championship two years down the line, three years down the line. You can't do that. I think Billy Napier. I'm not saying they're going to have any contention in the SEC this year, but I think if they can put together a seven win season that's still better than what they were last year, make a bowl game, solidify it, wait for your quarterbacks, your recruits to get in coming from these recruiting classes. I think there's not much to expect, but you got to take it for what it is. I see it as a win regardless. If they go six wins, seven wins, I see it as a win because you're not regressing, you're just rebuilding. Yep. Well, and, you know, we'll get into it more in just a minute, but their schedule is – uh, it's something. a gauntlet. I wouldn't I wouldn't wish that on anybody, but um we're gonna go through these last uh, couple questions here pretty quickly. Um we, we can't talk about the SEC without mentioning Hugh Freeze a little bit. He's been here before. A controversial coach was arguably the most controversial team in the country. Like who could have yeah. imagined this? Well, see the a funny a funny story I can tell here is I remember when the whole Kevin Steele is trying to take the Auburn job. You remember remember that, you know, when yeah. Gus Malzahn's final year. And it was kind of, you know, after they fired Malzahn and before they hired Brian Harson, you know, I, I remember having a conversation with somebody who said, I think it may have been you. What was it? It may have been you. And I said, um, Hugh Freeze, head coach, Auburn University, just has a ring to it. Like it, it yeah, just, there's just something about it that like, it, and then I kind of just put it away for a while. And then when the job come open again, I'm like, it's, I think it's going to happen. And it did. And, you know, look, there's a lot I could say about him, like off field stuff, whatever on the field, the guy is a pretty, is, is a very good coach, especially on the offensive side of the ball. Look what he did at Liberty. Look what yeah. he did at Ole Miss. Look at his time as an offensive coordinator. You know, when he was head coach at Arkansas state too, like they, the guy knows how to scheme it up. You know, he's beaten Alabama. The checklist for Auburn was is he beat Alabama multiple times and brought in good recruiting classes, which yeah. unironically was kind of what Gus Malzahn did, but either way. So, like, I, I do think he'll be able to – yeah. <laughs> he'll be able to schematically win games, but I do think, you know, as we look a little closer at Auburn, again, Auburn always plays a tough schedule, and that's not going to change any different this year. But, yeah. like, they're a team, like, they – their talent level may not be up there with the Bama, Georgia level, even Texas A&M. But, like, as far as scheme goes, like, I, I, I wouldn't be surprised if they pull up or two just based on that. Yeah, I mean, I think they're in a better place regardless. There was nobody behind Kevin Steele – or not Kevin Steele. Um, who was their previous head coach? Brian Harson. Brian Harson. Sorry, like, he's just so unforgettable. He's in Cancun living it up right now. I'd like nobody thinks about him, but he's in a way better position than Brian Harson is. Like, he kind of has like a little bit of a vibe around him. Like, Auburn's trying to buy in here, Auburn's trying to find something they can hold on to. I think his offensive mind, his football mind, his football IQ, I think Auburn can win some games. Like you said, they're not going to have the most talented roster in every game they play. They're not going to have a more talented roster than A&M, LSU, Georgia, Alabama. They're not going to have that. But if he can 
put a game plan in place. I think Auburn has enough around them to, A, win games, and, B, be able to establish a little bit of dominance where they're at because Auburn's always been that team. They're surrounded by Bama. They're surrounded by Georgia. But they're always been that team. They're going to upset somebody, and they're going to try to ruin somebody's season. That has always been their M.O. I think – I'm not saying they're going to pull a Nick Marshall-type Auburn team. You know what I'm saying? Like, they're not a Jared Stidham-style Auburn team. They're not going to do all that. But I think that he can win some games, and I think he can get a little bit of momentum and get a vibe going in Auburn. Yeah, I'm fascinated to see how this works out. You know, I just – yeah, there's a lot with Auburn there, and we're going to get into that more. Last question before we get into some other stuff. Can LSU take the next step? Like they're – I think they're – Georgia and Alabama may be considered the top two, and then I think LSU's kind of on an island, maybe it's third, I guess, in the preseason. But I'm going to – I'm here to tell you that that like that might be wrong. Like I, I, I really do believe in this team. But now it's okay. Nobody really expected you to do what you did last year, and you kind of fumbled the ball a little bit down the stretch. The A&M game was gross. The Georgia performance was – Kind of expected, but gross in the, in the same way. Now you bring in a, a pretty good transfer portal class, very good recruiting class. You have arguably one of the best quarterback rooms in the country. Now it's okay. Can you get to the college football playoff? And if you get there, can you beat two elite teams once you get there, or two highly ranked teams anyway? Um, you know, Brian Kelly really, really overachieved, and you know whatever your opinions may be about him, he's a heck of a football coach. So. Yeah. It's now it's just okay. Can you get over the hump? Can you take that next step and be a, a perennial contender and be a team? Because they're even when they beat Alabama, like they did it in a somewhat unconvincing way, and yeah. they followed I mean, up last play of the game type deal, you know? Yeah, and and not taking away from them, but it's it's yeah. a little different from when okay, this team looks beatable to if they beat Bama by seventeen points. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. So that I'm just looking for more weekly, week to week consistency from that team. Yeah, they have the coach to do it. I will say that. As far as LSU taking the next step, I think they got the coach to do it. This is a head coach in Brian Kelly that took a Notre Dame team to, what, multiple playoff appearances. They made a national championship a decade ago. The guy is proven, and he's done it with way less talent than he has this year. I think that if – you can get consistent quarterback play by Jaden Daniels. If you can get wide receivers that don't just drop passes every play like they had last year, if that defense is what we think it will be and the players that we previewed in our last podcast episode, if they have, like, the talent and the production, they have the coach, they have the environment, they have the home field advantage, nobody wants to go to Death Valley and play them. If there was going to be a next up-and-comer to challenge Georgia and Alabama, it would definitely be LSU. Do they get it done this year, though? I'm not I'm not ready to put all my bread in that basket, but I think they will show up a lot of people this year, and I think they can win in a lot of games in a dominating fashion this year. Yeah. I've got I've got so much I gotta say, but we'll we'll get to that when we dive into them a little bit more. All right. Let's let you know. We'll, we'll you know kind of run through this quickly. You know, everybody looks forward to some some of the best non conference games of the year. A lot of them happen in the SEC, and a lot of them are happening early in the season. Um, I'll kind of give you my list of the five best non conference games, and then you know you'll I'm sure we, we share some of the same ones. Yeah, like for me, 
I think I'll just kind of start at number five. I had South Carolina and Clemson. Um, that might surprise you a little bit, but like I, I'm just anxious to see where these two teams are at the end. Like, is Clemson going to be um, contending? Like, are they going to be the week before they play in the ACC championship game? Like, are they going to be looking ahead to that and overlook South Carolina if, say, South Carolina is five and six or six and five or something like that? And yep. can I? I Right off the top of my head, I can't name the last time South Carolina won two in a row because it was starting to feel like one of those rivalries that was just tilted so far in one direction because Clemson was, like, eating their lunch for a long time. And yeah. um, Shane Beamer got on the board last year and what was one of the best games of the year. I, I can't wait to see that one. I, I didn't want to put this on here at first, but just because of the way it could dictate each team season, Texas A&M and Miami – is going to be worth watching one way or the other. Like, that game was so bad, especially looking back at how bad both offenses were and how disappointing both teams were. But if A&M wins, like, it's – okay, we didn't go down there and embarrass ourselves. We still got a tough stretch of games ahead. If Miami wins, on the other hand, I think all the talk still going to be about A&M because now A&M has a gauntlet of a schedule still on the, on the table. Yeah. And they lost to a team that could beat Middle Tennessee State last year. So – that there's going to be a lot of noise around that game in either direction. Um, last year, we talked a lot about Utah and Florida. Like, I, I still think it's going to be – if Florida wants to prove they're better than most people think, like, they got to go to Salt Lake City and win in the opening week of the season. Pretty much, like, I know week zero is the unofficial start – or the official start of the season. That first Thursday night before a big slate of week one games always feels the biggest to me. Like, it's yeah. – even if you don't have a marquee matchup, like, you're going to have Utah, Florida, Minnesota, Nebraska this year. But I just think, like – and Utah needs to win that game. Like, Utah really needs they to win that game. To. Like, it's – you know, you're two-time defending Pac-12 champ. Like, mm-hmm. it's – got to win that game. Um, and then, to me, the two obvious ones, LSU and Florida State is by far and away the best game of week one. I think you could argue it's the best non-conference game of the year other than the one I'm going to put above it. Like, two playoff contenders, in my opinion. Whoever whoever loses that game is going to be walking on eggshells the rest of the season because now it's you got to go – you probably have to – you can't lose the rest of the way, more than likely. Like, some scenarios could pop up, but you're really going to be up against it. And then I've got Texas at Alabama. I, I have a countdown clock for this game. Like it is, I cannot wait to watch this game. It's in Tuscaloosa. That game was a lot closer than we thought it was going to be last year. Texas yep. is now thought of as a playoff contender. It's going to be our first. Like Alabama, or, yeah, Alabama doesn't get Texas to die. Is now thought of as a playoff contender. They're they're like top ten every year in the preseason. Well, <laughs> not a playoff contender to me. Okay, like I, I can. I'd usually so you, you see them being legitimate this year. Yes, I, I do view them as legitimate. Okay. We'll save more of that for the Big 12 preview, but okay. it's also going to be an early look at Alabama. Like it's you get Middle Tennessee State, and then you get the, you get Texas. Like there's not a lot of you know yeah. leeway as far as the schedule goes in, in that direction, and let that offense get their feet under them a little bit. So that game is fascinating in each direction. There's there's going to be so many hot takes after that game as well. So that's always something. But I'll, I'll let you take it. As far as my games, I didn't really put them in a specific order. Um, I say that just to buffer what I'm about to say. I kind of have like a tie if I were to pick a, a fifth spot. Um, it is Texas A&M and Miami. Just because I don't expect a lot from either of these teams this year, I think Miami should be good in the ACC. I think A&M should be good in the SEC this year. Um, but I think 
them going to Miami, I think that should be a game everybody's going to have their eyes on. And it could be a proven game. Like, that could be a game where whichever team wins, that could be, like, their staple point in the season, uh, setting them up for the rest of the season. And then just just for me, just because I, I love football, Kansas State and Missouri. I just I just can't wait to see that game. Uh, but, yeah, realistically moving forward, I got Florida and Utah. I think that's going to be a huge, huge, huge game uh, to start out the season with. Imagine if Florida wins that game back-to-back against Utah. Now going to Utah, we just got done talking about what does Billy Napier and Florida look like in year two. It starts with this game, and they won it last year whenever we thought that they wouldn't, you know. But they also got to keep it going because after they won, the, that yeah. was the highlight of Florida season last year. Like that was yeah. – there wasn't – other than, I guess, kind of keeping it close with Florida State, like there's not much else good you can say about Florida season other than they beat Utah. Yeah. Um, and then moving on, I, th- I got South Carolina and Clemson probably in my top three. I think that is going to be a phenomenal game. Um, that's going to be one of those games where we're really going to see what Clemson looks like this year. I think – because you got to think Clemson's going to go through Florida State um the rest of their schedule is not like you see a bunch of marquee matchups but I think at the end of the season you get a South Carolina and Clemson and South Carolina coming in from beating them last year I think that's gonna be a huge game um entering my top two I got LSU and Florida State I mean that's a no-brainer early in the season their first game of the season why is it on a Sunday night couldn't tell you but LSU and Florida State, these are two teams that are trying to take that leap. They're trying to get into the playoffs. They're trying to prove that they are a national contender. Um, that's good. I can't wait for that. We've talked about this on end. That's probably going to be one of my favorite games in these first couple of weeks, but only behind my number one non-conference game of the year, Bama and Texas. It's in Tuscaloosa. I'm ready for it. Honestly, I'm I'm ready. The Alabama fan in me is ready because we get to prove early on against a talented roster what we can do with the new quarterbacks, new offensive coordinators, new defense coordinators. We get to prove early on what we're about, and we get to see a little bit of adversity going on. Um, but I'm also just me as a football fan. I want to see Texas make a jump. I want to see Texas look good. I want to see Sark have that team ready. They got the quarterback room, probably arguably the best quarterback room in the country. They got the wide receivers, A.D. Mitchell, Xavier Worthy, everybody coming in. I think the offensive line and defensive line, they beefed up a lot. And I think defensively they're going to play physical. I think that's going to be arguably one of the best games of the season. It's a conference game next year too. Can't wait. Got to we got we got to introduce Texas to the SEC. A little I don't bit. know if they play next year, but I'll say if it was next they year, they probably do. If I had to guess, yeah. I mean, like I haven't gotten into the 2024 Texas or Alabama schedules. Other than I know Texas plays Georgia, but yeah. um, all right. I guess you know. Let's let's get to the conference games real quickly before we really dive dive into the to the SEC. I'll lead it off here. I, LSU Ole Miss, I think, is going to be great. It's a rivalry game. Uh, I. LSU just kind of they they beat Ole Miss in a flurry last year. Like that game got sideways and, and just at the snap of your fingers. Like I'm, if there's a, if there's a, a sneaky team in the SEC West, I do think it's Ole Miss. Like I wouldn't be surprised if they pull an upset over Alabama or LSU this year. I'm not saying they're going to, but I I do think they got the talent to do so. And it, it's in Oxford. Like that's yeah. that's the the big thing. And you, you avoid the Death Valley. Um, it, it's going to be a, a good game and. Alabama at Auburn, I got to put in there. Like it's the first, it's the first Iron Bowl for Hugh Freeze. Like that, that's what intrigues me here is what does Auburn look like at the end of the year? And you know, is Alabama playing for a playoff spot? Because 
you know, when when at, Auburn's been a good but not great team before, you know, remember in 2019, Tua was hurt for that game. Um, and Auburn just won in a crazy fashion. I'm not saying that's going to happen again, but, you know, if Alabama's vying for a playoff spot or anything and Auburn's better than we expect like that, that could be a show. I yeah. just – you're going to hear it at, like ad nauseum that week. Like it's – Hugh Freeze is beating Alabama twice is going to be said so much that week, and now it's his first shot at Auburn. It's the Iron Bowl. Like, you know, say less about it. Yeah. Tennessee, Alabama, the rematch. Like, I think everybody's looking forward to that. Like, just that was probably the best game of last year, I'd go to say. Like, that Ohio State, Georgia, TCU, Michigan. Like, Tennessee, Alabama is one. Like, it, you might not, but I'll be re-watching for years to come. Like, that That might it, not. It was be. a fun game. The football and me loved that game. How much did it take for you to say that? A lot. We're, yeah, we're, we're, we're not going to discuss that. We're trying to say, trying to, hey, it's our first live show. I'm just trying to be a little bit non biased here. But there you, there you go. Hey, I appreciate that. You got some integrity. Um, next up, like, I'm going to stay with Tennessee. Like, I don't like that Tennessee Georgia game could be like just massive. Like, it's the last SEC game of the season for Georgia, it's in Knoxville. That might be the most hostile environment in the country this year when Georgia goes there, especially like if Tennessee is like 10 and 1. Or nine and one, or what ten and zero, whatever they are, like that. That's going to be just a massive game. Could decide the SEC East and who goes to Atlanta as well, and a potential playoff spot on the line, much like last year. Number one to me, it's no contest. It's been the best game of the in the SEC probably for the past ten to fifteen years. It's one we always look forward to, no matter what. It's LSU and Alabama. Like I have, you know, I think of LSU Alabama rivalries how people. Growing up, maybe thought of Miami, Florida State. You know, it's always top matchups back in the 80s, 90s, early 2000s. That's how – that's – LSU, Alabama is my Miami, Florida State. I always look forward to it. The amount of ta- NFL talent on the field all the time is insane. Like, it just is. It's going to be – I'm pretty sure it's going to be in prime time this year. Like, I can't wait for that one. Yeah, I agree with you. We got a lot of the same games. Uh, I think I might have a few that you didn't mention. I guess at my fifth spot, if I'm ranking them, I do have the Tennessee-Alabama game. Um, Alabama's going to be out for blood. We all know it. They got a chip on their shoulder this year. Um, But with that being said, after Alabama beat Tennessee for so long, like it kind of adds a little bit of spark to that rivalry again because I would go as far as saying there's plenty of Alabama people that would go as far to say we hate Tennessee more than everybody. Like That's just the rivalry. That's just the game. Like We just don't like Tennessee. Um, and I can't wait to see that rematch. I can't wait to see what Alabama does and how they respond. Uh, moving forward, I got Texas A&M and LSU. I, I really want to see that rematch because LSU has to close the deal. But with that being said, if A&M's roster plays how they're supposed to, A&M could very well win that game again. Um, and then we got A&M versus Tennessee. I think that's going to be a great game in October. Um I'm going to be very, very curious to see what that Tennessee offense can do against that Texas A&M defense. I think that's what I'm going to be looking forward to the most. Um, And then, of course, you got Alabama and LSU. Just like you said, it's always one of the best games in the conference each and every year. Like I said, again, same thing with Alabama. Tennessee, Alabama's going to have a chip on their shoulder. LSU will probably be a better team than they were last year going into this year. So I'm very interested to see how that plays out. And then I guess the number one game I'm most excited for is Tennessee and Georgia. Um, Georgia's schedule relatively is a cakewalk. I mean, like I said, it's not their fault, but 
what team is going to give them the most pushback? What team is going to have the most impact in the regular season at taking away their three-peat hopes? It's Tennessee. So if you're looking for a team to knock off Georgia in the East, it's got to be Tennessee. And I think everybody's going to be a little bit excited to uh, watch that. Yeah, like I, I can't wait. You know, and it's it's. I think that I'm pretty sure this is last year we're going to get SEC on CBS too. So it's mm-hmm. a, bit, a bittersweet farewell here. So one one topic I did want to hit on on our preview today is like, I, I've seen a lot of discussion about sec quarterbacks and losing a lot. Like Bryce Young is gone. Hendon hooker is gone. Stetson Bennett is gone. Anthony Richardson is gone. Like love him or hate him. He's gone. Now it's like, as far as elite, you know, I think the pac 12 might be the conference of quarterbacks this year. Like they, they've got a lot of talent. And when, when I was talking, when I was thinking about it, if I had an all sec ballot this year, like who am I putting on there in, one, two, and three, and it was it was kind of a struggle. Like yeah. it, it's for for a league that's as renowned as the SEC, they don't really have a ton of what you would call elite quarterbacks coming into the year. Now that could change. Like Carson Beck could be just as good, if not better, than Stetson Bennett. Joe Milton yeah. has tools at least to be pretty good. I've got some reservations there, but we'll see. Devin Leary is coming into Kentucky. Like me and you both hated. NC State's offense, even when we thought Leary was going to be in that team was going to be good. He comes into Kentucky like he's hoping to replace Will Levis, be even better than him. You got Jaden Daniels at LSU. We don't know what we're getting at Alabama. Connor Wegman at Texas A&M has talent, but we just don't know there. You've got a lot of returning guys that we know are pretty solid, but like Jaden Daniels, Spencer Rattler, Will Rogers, K.J. Jefferson, they're guys we've known and we know guys that are pretty good, but maybe not that elite next level player. I didn't know if you really had any thoughts on this and, you know, if this ha- – you know, what does it say about the SEC or, you know, heading into the season, what are your expectations? Um, There's a lot of new faces at quarterback just about everywhere. Um, I think this is the year of the transfer quarterback, if you really think about it. If you go down and look at Auburn, they got Peyton Thorne, the former Michigan State guy. Um, they still got Robbie Ashford at Ole Miss. Lincoln Riley is just racking up transfer QBs just because – you know, that's Lincoln Riley or not like Lane Kiffin just because he wants to. Um, you got Jackson Dart. You got Spencer Sanders and you got Will Howard at Kentucky. We get to see my boy Devin Leary from NC State. Um, and at Missouri, you got Brady Cook. And I don't know. You got a lot of new faces. Do we have an elite quarterback? What do we define as elite? Are there any Bryce Youngs in the conference this year? No. Um but I think there's going to be some guys that can really show out. Like, I think we're going to see Devin Leary take that next step as a quarterback at Kentucky. Um, I think whoever wins that Ole Miss job, I think they they got the best, if not the best, uh, play caller in the country. So I think they could really show out. Uh, good friend of the show, um, Tyler Layfield, he thinks that Carson Beck could be a Heisman contender. Like, I think he definitely has the talent around him to be able to do it. Um as far as any elite quarterbacks, I don't think elite. I don't think any quarterback from the SEC is going to win the Heisman this year. But I think there are a lot of good quarterbacks that we will see have breakout seasons this year. I'll put you on the spot. If you were filling out a, your three all a, a, SEC ballots, first, second, third team, who would be your three picks at quarterback? If it were me, I would vote Jaden Daniels first team, followed by KJ Jefferson and Will Rogers. Now that last spot was kind of. Do I expect that to be what I would do at the end of the season? I don't know. But at the beginning of the season, I just can't put Carson Beck on there just because I think he's going to be good. Like, you got to at least show me that you're going to be good. Joe Milton, I can't put on there just yet. And, like, I, you know, I, I 
thought about Spencer Rattler. I thought about Devin Leary. I also do kind of want to see Devin Leary at Kentucky first. So we'll see what happens. Um, if I had to fill out my three, number one, I think is Jaden Daniels. He's the most proven right now, and he's a dual threat dynamic QB. Um, he's going to get touchdowns through the air and on his feet. Um, at number two, let me think. Like, I want to say Jalen Milrow or Ty, Ty Simpson, but I can't do that. Number two, I probably would go Spencer Rattler. If Spencer Rattler plays how he did the last three games of the season, I think he could very well get that all SEC selection. And at number three, I think I'm going to go with the same logic as you. Give me KJ Jefferson. Yeah. I mean, KJ Jefferson is just a good college quarterback. I know what I'm getting pretty much every week from him, but, you know, I. I think it's just interesting, I, and I want to see how we look at, at it at the end of the season. Like maybe Carson Beck is elite, maybe Joe Milton is elite, maybe some of these other guys, like somebody from Ole Miss or Alabama, is elite. I just I can't remember the last time we came into the the season in the SEC with so much QB uncertain. I, I, yeah. I just think it's interesting, but I guess let's talk some teams now. I guess let's start off in the, in the SEC East. We're gonna start at the top with the obvious choice here, Georgia. Guess their win total. At Caesars, if you had to guess, eleven point five. That is right on the money. It is eleven and a half, which sounds crazy, but it, it's really not when you consider how good Georgia could be. Like they, they, uh, like I'm not like speaking anything unknown here. Like Vegas factors in everything when they set these things: schedule, team, everything. Like it's just with that schedule and the the talent that Georgia has coming back and how good they could be. You're going to get an 11 and a half win total. And like, I, I was just going to tell you, I would hit the over on it. I just don't, I just don't, even in the Tennessee game, and they also play Ole Miss and Athens, they're probably going to be 14 to 17 point favorites in those games. And yeah. Tennessee is on the road. Like, I, we might, we, we might talk about it a lot and, and everything. I, I still like view Georgia as a significant favorite over Tennessee. And, you know, look, you can have, I do have questions about the quarterback. I do have questions about Mike Bobo's offensive coordinator. Kirby Smart is a million times smarter than I am, like no pun intended. Um, he will know he will know more about football uh, than I will ever know. I just think it was just with Georgia at their height of their powers now, replacing one of the best, if not the best, offensive coordinator in college football. Yeah. And you go with somebody that was there a decade ago, who and I defended Mike Bobo a lot back then. I, I think he he caught a lot of flack back in the day from Georgia, especially about Georgia's fans, man. Yeah, I mean, like it's I, it's kind of funny now. Like everybody I talked to now, oh Mike Bobo's back, awesome man. It's just would love to have him back, man. That was a lot different than what I heard about ten years you know, ago, or 10, 12 years ago, whenever he was there. Um, like I do think when it comes to when they get in the playoff and if they have to face. A, an elite level team that that can play with them, yeah. But Todd Monken was so good in big games, man. Like the games he called against Ohio State, yeah. um, you can say whatever about TCU. He called a great game against Michigan in the playoff earlier. Called a really good game against Alabama in the national title game. I thought personally, yeah. Um, I just think you know Mike Bubble hasn't done that before. He has not done that in that kind of setting before. Can he do it? Absolutely, but he hasn't done it yet. So if you're gonna nitpick, that's my nitpick, but. Running back, I don't think they have an elite one. They've got a lot of really good ones, though. I think they have the second or third best wide receiving core in the SEC. Dominic Lovett from Missouri is going to be really good. Huge um, pick. Adam Conkey is, is, a, is a good player. 
Yep. They have the best tight end in college football in Brock Bowers. You know, you do. I do think losing Darnell Washington is nothing to sneeze at because he was basically an offensive tackle that also run like a four five forty. Like he just he did so much in that running game. Like you can see him just you know blocking down on ends, setting that edge. Like it's just he he was really important to that team. They don't really have somebody like that, so I'm just kind of interested to see how they do um, to try to fill that gap. I think they're going to have the best offensive line in the SEC. I think they're going to have the best defensive line in the SEC. I think they're going to have the best secondary in the entire country. I could go on and on. Like yeah. I, I, this team is going to be really, really good. Um, I think the one question I'll have on their defense, and I had it a lot last year, and it didn't seem to matter because they get they get pressure in different ways. There's not an edge rusher or anybody there you can point to that is just a really like a Jalen Carter. I, I don't know that they have somebody like that. A Nolan, even a Nolan Smith who was good, but he you know he didn't put up the type of production you would you would see normally from a first round pick. But he had athleticism was off the charts. I just I wonder where the production off the edge is coming. You saw and and I had this question going into the Tennessee game, which I did pick Georgia to win, but they they just they blitzed. And with a secondary as good as theirs, I think you're going to see a lot of the same. I think Georgia's going to blitz a lot this year, possibly early on. And they have a lot of time to figure these things out. Any questions you have about Georgia, they have a lot of time to figure this out because, yeah, South Carolina comes to Athens week three. That I think they're like they're big favorites. They do go to Auburn at the end of September. I don't think Georgia's sleepwalking through that. They're going to get up to play Auburn. I'm just telling you. They're going to get up to play Auburn. And then, yep. you know, you're basically on cruise control until you get Ole Miss and Tennessee back-to-back. So, Look, I nitpick all you want to. This is the most complete team, at least at the start of the season in college football, and one I do think is a lock to make the SEC championship and a lock to make the college football playoff. Most talented team? I could give you that argument. Most complete team? I don't know about that. Just because you got – look, everything you just said, I t- completely 100% agree with. But as far as complete, are they complete? You just said they don't have a dominant number one running back. We know they don't have a returning starter at quarterback. At wide receiver, I mean, you got the transfer in Dominic Lovett. You got Lad McConkey that's been there for almost forever now. They have the best tight end in football, arguably one of the best offensive players in football, and Brock Bowers. Defensively, uh, like you said, you don't see a Jalen Carter or Jordan Davis. You don't see a Trayvon Walker or a Nolan Smith. Um, I think they got a lot of good household names that are going to have breakout seasons in that secondary, but are they the most complete? I wouldn't go as far to say that yet. Um, I think for me to answer that question, that's going to be on a different preview day. So I'll save that for then. Um, but this Georgia team, there's no reason they shouldn't be undefeated in the regular season. No reason at all. Uh, the way their schedule plays out, the talent they have on the roster, I guess the biggest questions, they're kind of in the same boat as Alabama. New offense coordinator, new starting quarterback. You got all the talent in the world around them. How are they going to perform? And I guess the biggest question for Carson Beck is, can he keep up the offensive success that Stetson Bennett created over these last couple years during his championship runs? Um, but how how do you think the Bulldogs are going to handle complacency? I guess I think that's my biggest question. I think earlier I said I think pressure is going to be their biggest um, hindrance if they don't three-peat. You can't get complacent. Speaking of, as an Alabama fan, you can't get complacent because you're going to be everybody's Super Bowl. You're going to be Tennessee's Super Bowl. You're going to be Florida's Super Bowl. You're going to be Auburn's Super Bowl. Everybody's going to want to beat you. Like Kirby did a good job of – 
galvanizing the troops, bringing everybody in, saying, hey, we need to be the hunters. We need to go hunt down Alabama. We need to go hunt down Ohio State. We need to go hunt down the Clemson. Like, he has turned that team into we got to chase this national championship. They got two of them. Now, can they prove that even with coaching turnover, with starting quarterback turnover, all these 15, 14, 16 uh, first-round draft picks leaving each and every year, can they not get complacent? And I think with this schedule, it's going to be hard for them not to be complacent because you ask any Georgia fan last year, they played down to the level of their competition a lot during the season. Like They were in a dogfight with Missouri for whatever reason last year. I remember that very vividly. There was no question that Georgia was the better team. You never, you never really even thought that they were going to lose games. But they played down. They weren't as efficient. They weren't as physical. They weren't as fast. Can they avoid complacency this year? And I think that's going to be their biggest question. Um, and then who's going to step up on defense? We saw that generational team they had, generational defense they had in 2021. You saw what they did last year, still carrying that mentality that they're going to have the best, most physical defense possible. Um, how, who, who's going to step up? Who's going to be that household name? Who's going to be there? Nolan Smith. Who's going to be there? Jalen Carter. Um, we're going to have that answered very soon, I hope. Um, but even if they don't have somebody step up and just be that number one guy, they got such a deep rotation in that front seven. And even in that secondary now, I think their defense, they can rotate a lot of guys. You're not going to see a lot of guys to have a bunch of, produ- a bunch of production. You're not going to see a guy have 13, 14, 15 sacks on their team. You're not going to see that. They got guys that they can just roll in and out of that defense, and they're just going to be just as physical and just as dominant. Um, I think Georgia goes undefeated this year in the regular season. What they do in the SEC championship, I think that's going to be a big, big question because if you got an LSU or an Alabama rolling back in there, I think Alabama can be a better team than they were last year as a collective. I think LSU is going to be a way better team than they were last year, and that's scary because they beat Bama. They made it to the SEC championship in year one of Brian Kelly. Um, I think if Georgia can keep everybody healthy and if Carson Beck is what a lot of Georgia fans think he will be, I think – the sky's the limit for this Georgia team. I really do think they have the best chance we've ever seen at a team going for three straight national championships. So you're, you, I can put you down for an over on the 11 and a half. I put, put me down for the over. Uh, we got two overs. All right. I guess let's go to Tennessee. You know, they finished runner up last year, did have a bit of a disappointing end of the season. Like there was a, I, 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 I was stunned at that South Carolina game. I was just absolutely stunned. I remember me and you talking back and forth about it, but it, it was it – was I'm pretty sure I called you, and I was just in an uproar. You know, like, it was the most like, wild. Me, me and him text all day during games. You know, I am out there covering Georgia Tech, but me and him are, you know, when I'm checking scores and stuff, if he has – if we have to call each other, like, something is going on. Like that, yep. I'm telling you, we'll, we'll keep up with how many minute moments we call each other this year. But it's all – we save that for the biggest moments because, you know, it's just – you got to talk about it, but that was one of them. And they come in with an over under of nine and a half this year. You know, you take a look at the schedule, open up with Virginia uh, in Nashville, which is interesting, I guess. Um, Austin P at Florida, UTSA. That's kind of interesting. Like, I don't think UTSA is going to win that game in Knoxville, but I think their UTSA is really good. Yeah. South Carolina to round out the month, get a bye week. And then, uh, to me, the defining stretch for them, you know, the Georgia game obviously is there at the end. Texas A&M at home, at Alabama, at Kentucky. The fact that That's you get back, you have to go to Lexington right after you go to Tuscaloosa and you, you've played A&M, that's tricky. 
Like that's Mark Stoops always has his teams ready to go, and their offense could be a lot better this year. So that's a tricky spot. Uh, you do get UConn uh, at home. Like they'll win that at Missouri. That's a look ahead spot because it does come the week before Georgia. So you do have to wonder if, you know, are they going to get complacent in that game? A little bit like South Carolina, they're going to be looking too far ahead. And then they end the season with Vanderbilt. Man, I remember after the South Carolina game, there was a lot of, man, with Hendon Hooker injured and everything. Could Vanderbilt, they, Vanderbilt can score points. Could they beat Tennessee? And I think Tennessee put nearly 60 points up on them. Like, it was it was pretty ugly. Yeah. Um, the schedule, I think, is manageable. It's not easy, but I, there are some tough stretches in there. But, you know, I, I think Virginia is going to be the worst team in the ACC. Tennessee is a 28-point favorite in that game. Look, I think it just comes down to how good is Joe Milton. I, when we when I, we last saw Joe Milton, he got benched for Hendon Hooker. You know, he was not very good after he transferred from Michigan. He wasn't good at Michigan, which is why he transferred to Tennessee. Um you lose Tillman and Hyde on the offense, Darnell right on the offensive line. I will say, though, like, if people – like, he has the best name in the, in college football, but Squirrel White is going to be really, really good this year. Like, I, I'm oh, just – Hold on, hold on. Best name? You got a guy named Kool-Aid, brother. Come on now. Kool-Aid or Squirrel? Like, and, and they both play in the SEC. Like, to me, I give it to the guy named Squirrel. Isn't there a guy named General Booty out there playing in Oklahoma or something? Yeah, but like that? he doesn't play, so like I, I can't really say it's him. Like he doesn't even play. Like he, that that's a great name. I'm sure he's making nil money off that. But like that's, <laughs> um, but Squirrel White to me is the best. Brew McCoy, I think, is getting a little overrated. Like he had some good moments last year, but I think people are acting like he's going to come in and put up 1,300 yards and 15 touchdowns or something. I, let, let's pump the brakes on that a little bit. The pass defense, literally, I don't think can get any worse. The pass defense was absolutely horrible last year. They were pretty good at stopping the run. I do think some of that is, though, teams just passed so much on them. I just don't think that teams ran the ball a lot on Tennessee. But th- not that they were bad, though. Like that, I give them credit where credit's due. Um, in the two years they played under Josh Heupel, the defense has been pretty bad. Um, I'm really anxious to see this team. I, I like I, – I could see them being almost as good as they were last year if some certain things go right. But if, if they if they regress just a little bit on offense and the defense is just kind of stuck in that same where they were, yeah. I mean, eight and four, pot, seven and five is not out of the question. Like, you know, Georgia, Alabama, A&M is a losable game. I think at Kentucky and, you know, that Missouri game is kind of in a tricky spot. Like Tennessee to me still has something to prove, but I do think they're clearly the second best team in the East. Yeah. I think with Tennessee, the biggest thing is – I'm sitting here looking at my notes. Is Joe Milton the guy? Yes, I think so. But here's the thing. If it's not Joe Milton, I think they're not hurting at quarterback with Nico. I personally thought Nico was going to walk right in and start anyways. But Joe Milton, he's not the same Joe Milton you saw at Michigan. Kid's got a cannon for an arm. You saw that in the bowl game last year. I think – yeah, you're losing Hyatt. Yeah, you're losing Tillman. But I think they have guys, and I do think Brew McCoy is one of those guys that can step up and be wide receiver one. That's probably their biggest question offensively. Who's going to be that guy? Who's going to be the guy that they can send on a post a thousand times a game against Alabama and take it 80 yards to the crib? Who's going to be that guy? Brew McCoy has a good chance. I think they got a good stable receivers to be able to do that. Um, I think the biggest question I have for Tennessee is how do you buff up that secondary? And I think they did that through the portal and recruiting. Um, like you said, it couldn't have gotten much worse than what they did last year. They couldn't stop anything through the air last year. It was really bad. Um, they had good linebacker play, though. They had good D-line play last year. I think this Tennessee team, if I'm being realistic, 
Um, I think they can get nine wins this year. I really do. I think they're going to have losses to Georgia, and I think they're going to have losses to Alabama. They could lose to A&M. Um, I'm trying to give them a little leeway. I want to say they – I think they're talented enough to be a 10-win team. I really do. But I want to give them a little bit of leeway. I think nine wins is a good season for them. I think they really need to go and show that they can dominate the rest of the SEC East the way we've seen Georgia do it these recent years. They got to go and beat South Carolina. They got to beat Florida – Kentucky and everybody, they got to beat them all convincingly. And I think that's the next step for Josh Heupel. They got to show, especially with these new teams coming into the SEC in Texas and uh, Oklahoma next year, Tennessee's got to show, like, they can be what LSU is in the West. They can be that guy that can push for that number one spot um, in that division, at least for this year because they're taking away divisions. But I think Tennessee is able to do that. But this year, I think if you can get nine wins for Tennessee, I think that's good for them. Over, under, nine and a half. Taking the give nine. The, I got to go the under. All right, yeah, give me the under. I, yeah. I think, they have just, two, I think they have two certified losses in Bama and Georgia this year. Mm-hmm. I can't guarantee they win the rest. That's the thing. If if they lose those two games, you have to tell me they win every other game on the schedule. Yeah. And I'm not ready. I'm not ready. Do that. Like, I don't think it's crazy that they do that, especially if Texas A&M sucks again. Kentucky yeah. is – yeah. Kentucky will be challenging either way because I don't I don't ever see Kentucky really bottoming out and just being terrible under Mark Stoops. Maybe they're not very good, but like they'll still be tough on the road. Missouri is tricky, like I said. I, I would take the under, but I'm a little shaky about it. Um, yeah. Let's go to let's go to Columbia, South Carolina, a team that I think if everything hit perfectly, I don't think it's crazy. They they're second in the SEC East. I could also see them finishing like sixth too. Like it's. Carrying the momentum over from the end of last year, they have a new offensive coordinator. They had a pretty good recruitment class. Like they got one of the be- the most freakish athletes we've seen in Nicholas Harbor. Like he could play receiver, could play edge rusher. Like that was a massive, massive win. When it looked like Oregon had all the momentum, Shane Beamer coming in there and pulling Beamer him out boy. of there like that. That was love Shane. Beamer. That was fantastic. And I have to like I have to. I, I doubted Shane Beamer, and look, he obviously hasn't won SEC East titles or gone to the playoff or anything, but he's been a much better hire than I anticipated. He's recruiting yeah. well. Uh, South Carolina is a really, really tough place to win, so get, give him a lot of kudos there. But, okay, I'll hit the good news first. Like I think Antoine Wells, I, I in our Top Ten Receivers podcast um, we did about a couple weeks ago or a few weeks ago, I, I listed him as one of the ten best receivers in the country. I maintain that. Like, I think he's just that good. Everything else in this offense, I have serious questions about. This offensive line scares me to death. The running back position scares me. Um, and if it mix that in with if Spencer Rattler is mediocre to bad again, like he was for much of last year, that this offense could really, really struggle. Um, I like they're replacing some key pieces on defense. You know, Jordan Birch, you know, leaving. You know, I I know he never really truly lived up to the five-star billing, you know, coming out of high school, but, yeah, he was a good player. Um, They lost some guys in the secondary. Like, they're – you know, if you just go based off the vibes of late last season, like South Carolina is a team you can get excited for. But then, man, like, you want me to read the schedule? Do it. North Carolina neutral site to start the season. That's not easy. Furman, that's a win. At Georgia, okay. Mississippi State in Columbia at Tennessee. That's just September. And then they get a bye week. Florida at Missouri at Texas A&M. Jacksonville State, Vanderbilt, 
Kentucky, Clemson. Like, the good thing is they don't play a road game in November. Yeah. But, like, that's rough. The over-under is set at six and a half. Give me the under on that one. I Like, I could see them outperforming it if some of these offensive questions get answered um, because, again, they could easily start off with a win against North Carolina. I'm anxious to see how that goes, but I still just have a lot of questions about this roster right now. Yeah, I agree with you. Um, like while you're naming off their schedule, I was just in there and counting the wins. I think that they could get. Um, I'm a little bit more optimistic about South Carolina, though. I like them for the over. Give me, I think they can get seven wins, and I think that really starts with how they played North Carolina to start the season. If they can win that, I'm I'm pretty confident that they can at least get seven wins. They're not going to beat Clemson again. I don't think they're not going to beat Georgia. Um, I don't think they beat Tennessee. Do they? Do they beat Mississippi State? That's I, I don't know, and that's like hey, outside of Urban, That's like maybe your most winnable. I don't know, maybe like Vanderbilt. Maybe I don't think they beat Kentucky necessarily. Like it's just a lot of question marks. Like I counted three wins that I feel comfortable in: in Furman, Jacksonville State, and Vanderbilt. <laughs> so the bottom of their schedule, basically. Uh, yeah, yeah, like that's three <laughs> I feel confident in, and then you know, like. I think they beat um, Mississippi State, but I, I can't guarantee you that. Do they, beat, do they beat Florida this year? I don't know. Like, remember, Florida, before they played Tennessee, they got absolutely throttled by Florida. Like, yeah. that, that's what made the Tennessee game just that more shocking is, like, South Carolina got just skull drugged yeah. by an okay Florida team. Yeah. The game I, is in Columbia, so, like, there you go. So I, I got I got a lot of hope. I, like we're talking really negative about South Carolina, but I do have a lot of hope. I I'm a Beamer boy. I love Shane Beamer. I love everything about him. Uh, I love the culture that he's created in Columbia. Um, all the momentum, man. Like I, every time I hear South Carolina, all I can think about is those last three games I saw them play. Maybe that's just recency bias. Um, but if we can get a good version of Spencer Rattler this year, like you said, the offensive line is not going to be that good. I'm not sure they're going to have a running game at all. But I think they have Antoine Wells, a top ten receiver in the country. I think you get, when you have Spencer Rattler, I think I think they can win some games. I don't think they're going to win a lot of games that they're not supposed to win. Um, but I think they can pull out at least seven wins if they if Spencer Rattler can be who he needs to be and if they can really start the season well against North Carolina. Um, but like like we were talking about Florida a little earlier, this is a team that they're going to have to build up through recruiting and through the transfer portal. We're not expecting them to turn around and be an eight, nine, ten win team this year. Um, but I think they can get seven. If they can get seven, I'd see that as an improvement. Yeah, we'll see. I mean, it, it, we'll, we'll see. Like we said earlier in the pod, like uh, Georgia's the heavy favorite. Tennessee is the heavy favorite to be second. To me, three through six right here is it's up in the air. Like I not, and I'm not even meaning to disrespect Vanderbilt, but I do think they're. I still can't predict them to finish higher than that. Like I, I'm sorry, but let's go to Kentucky, where I, I do think they're one of the most interesting teams and a team I, I kind of like going into this year. Yeah, I think Devin Leary was one of the better transfer portal quarterbacks this year. I don't think you didn't have the Caleb Williams elite level player. Um, in the or elite level quarterback in the transfer portal like you did last year, but Devin Lear is pretty good. Like I, I despised that offensive system they ran at NC State. I hated it. Um, Kentucky bringing back Liam Cohen at offensive coordinator. I thought he did a pretty good job a couple years ago. You do miss Chris Rodriguez. Their offensive line cannot be worse than it was last year. Watching that offensive line week to week last year was an absolute travesty. And you know 
it has to be better. I always expect Kentucky to turn out a pretty solid defense under Mark Stoops. Like I think the pass rush is going to be pretty good. I do got I got some questions in the secondary, but I just don't think that defense is ever really going to bottom out. Yeah, and I, they're going to have a chance for a fast start here. You know, we talked about South Carolina in a really hard September. Kentucky has Ball State at home, Eastern Kentucky at home, Akron at home. They go on the road to Vanderbilt. Fine. They get Florida at home. They do go to Georgia October 7th. That's a, that's There's your loss. Missouri at home for homecoming. You get a bye week. Tennessee and Lexington at Mississippi State. Alabama at home, at South Carolina, at Louisville. That's a really tough November, especially with three of the games on the road and your only home games against Alabama. Yeah. But I, the over-under is at six and a half. Give me the over because, like, I see them starting out with four wins right away. Uh, they can beat Missouri. They can beat South Carolina. Um, Louisville is a winnable game. Mississippi State is a winnable game. Florida is a winnable game. Like, the only two games I – three games i don't think they'll beat georgia alabama and i don't feel confident that they'll beat tennessee but like we were saying earlier they get tennessee at home right after they get done playing uh texas a&m and alabama so that that's a tricky spot i kind of like kentucky going to this year not as a threat to win the east but i I trust mark stoops and i trust that program and to be what they can be like I, i like this team going into this year yeah, I agree with everything you said. Um, I think Devin Leary, I think we see him break out. For some reason in my mind, every time I hear Devin Leary, I automatically think of Bo Nix. I think about Bo Nix going to Dan Lanning's program, going to Oregon, and how he just was a totally different quarterback than what we saw at Auburn. I think we can see that same kind of transition with Devin Leary coming from NC State going to Kentucky. Yeah. I don't think he's necessarily going to have the same kind of weapons that Bo Nix had at, all, at Oregon, um, but I think we can see his level of play increase, and I think he can have success in that system. Um, like you said, that offensive line is, is is nasty business. Like, I don't want nothing to do with that. Can Devin Leary be protected? That's going to be the real question. Um, this Kentucky team, I don't – they're at six and a half, but for some – I'm not as high on them as I am a South Carolina, and I think they're right neck and neck with each other, to be honest with you. So give me the under at six. Um, I don't know. That November slate, I it could be four losses. Like, let's be honest here. Like, yeah, it could be. Like, I, I don't know. And then you got to bank on them winning every other game in their season. But as far as Kentucky, I'm not as high or as enthusiastic about them as you are. Give me the under at six. Okay. We'll, we'll see. We'll see. Uh all right, I guess let's you know continue on here. Missouri, a team that returns a, a lot. Um, they do have a new offensive coordinator. They're gonna have a, apparently they're gonna have a quarterback competition with with uh, Brady Cook bringing in Jake Garcia from Miami. That's gonna be kind of interesting to see how that works out. Their defense, uh, Brian Baker did, did a pretty good job there uh, last year. Like I think their defense was pretty good, and for. For an SEC schedule, like I don't think Missouri is – it's not terrible. Like they do have that game against Kansas State non-con, but elsewhere you got – you open up with South Dakota and then Middle Tennessee State. That's two wins. The good thing is you do get Kansas State at home, and I'll be honest, I do think they can win that game. Like I don't think it's crazy that they just win that game at home, like pulling upset there. Like Tulane beat Kansas State last year, and I like Kansas State this year. I liked them last year, but I think Missouri can win that game. Memphis at home. I don't think Memphis is going to be any good this year. At Vanderbilt, 
at worst here you're four and one by the time you play LSU at home. You do you go to Kentucky, you get South Carolina at home, bye week, you go to Georgia, Tennessee at home, Florida at home, at Arkansas. Like there, there's – they're not beating Georgia, they're not beating Tennessee, but, and they're not beating LSU, but they're, they're over under win total. Again, is it six and a half, which is kind of the theme here for the SEC East once you get past Georgia, Tennessee. Give me the under. Like I – it's like I, I do think this team can be better than most think, but it's I, I just don't know how much. Like this team has just never really gotten over the hump with Eli Drinkwitz. Like they, they seem to hover around that five or six win mark constantly. And while I do think it's one of the more easier schedules there, there are some tricky road trips. Again, I think Georgia, Tennessee, LSU are, are not going to be wins. Then it's just what can you do with everything else? Kansas State's going to be really tough. Missouri is going to be a competitive team, but give me the under. Like six and six or five and seven is where I see them winding up. I agree with you. I think we're in the same boat with Missouri. And honestly, the rest of the SEC East, there's just not much to expect. Like, they're not – like, I trust a team in the West. Like, I trust an Auburn or an Arkansas or somebody like that. I trust them to, like, really upset the rest of the rest of that division. I don't trust a Missouri. I don't trust the Vanderbilt. I don't trust the Florida. I don't trust them to do that. Uh, but Missouri, I think they are on the up and up, especially in recruiting. And I think that they are uh, trying to build something. I think they're in the process of it. You got Jay Garcia coming in. Um, I think you had one of the best wide receivers in the country come in last year as a true freshman, play really well. If they can just keep building up that momentum, I don't see why they can't make a bowl game, but I'm very questionable about it. You know, like like you said, they could go like five and seven, six and six. Like it could happen, but give me give me six wins. I think they can rattle off six. So the under for you too. Yeah. <laughs> All right. I guess we got to talk about Florida now before we yeah. hit Bill. Um, Billy Bags, baby. Quarter, yeah. Quarterback questions abound. I think the running game will be pretty good. Um, when we talked last year, you know, we mentioned, you know, if Anthony Richardson hit his ceiling, what's this? What what could be this team's record? I don't know what Graham Mertz's ceiling is. It's definitely not as high as Anthony Richardson. And I think the de- like there are some things I do like about Florida. Like I think their defense is solid. Like I don't think it's elite level. Like I don't put it on the Alabama, Texas A and M, LSU, Georgia level. Like I think yeah. all four of those teams are going to have elite defenses this year in the country. Um, I think it's good, and I think the run game is solid, even though they do lose some key linemen. But I don't love the receivers here. Like I think a guy I'm kind of interested to watch is freshman Andy Jean. Like he was a really good underrated receiver in this past year's recruiting class. I I, I do kind of think he's going to be an interesting piece going forward for them. The secondary I do think can be pretty nice. Uh, it's just man, look at this schedule. Like at Utah. They're, I think, a 10-point dog in that game. And trust me, I'm a Pac-12 guy. I grew up watching USC. Like, that right there, that is a hard stadium to go in and win at night. Like, that, yeah. that's, that's a tough stadium. They'll beat McNeese. Tennessee at home. Charlotte at home. At Kentucky. Vanderbilt. At South Carolina. Bye week. Georgia in Jacksonville. Arkansas at home. At LSU. At Missouri. Florida State at home. I think you're probably looking at three likely losses with Georgia, Florida State, and um, LSU there. Yeah, and then, okay, they're going to be underdogs to Tennessee, 
They're already underdogs to Utah. That's five losses. They got to play at Kentucky. That's tough. And then <sighs> South Carolina on the road. That's not a gimme. Their over under is set at five and a half. <sighs> I'm going to go over, but just barely. I just I think their defense and their running game are good enough to where if they want to just grind games out and play ugly Iowa type football. Okay, they that that's the kind of style they're going to play this year. I think like they. I, you're, Florida's not going to average 40 points a game. Let's yeah. make that perfectly clear right now. Like They are not going to average enough 40 points a game. So give me the over on this team. I, I'm a little higher on them than most, but that's just because not a lot of people are higher you're on them. better than me. I was <laughs> saying, you're, like, you're one of the few, the few, the proud. Um, when it comes to Florida, like, like I said, it's Billy Napier year two. This is not the year we're expecting them to contend in the SEC East. It's not the year we're expecting them to just dethrone Georgia or anything like that. They are a building program. It's not going to be this year. We're not going to see improvement this year. I think we're going to have to wait for next year because it's the recruiting that Billy Napier is doing. I think once we see it like come to fruition next year, I think we're going to see a significantly different team. But as far as this year, if they win five games, I think they're lucky. Like, I really do. I don't trust Graham Mertz at all at quarterback. I don't. Like, at least with Anthony Richardson, you had the 4-4 speed and the size, and you had the running ability. At least you had that. You don't – what do you get with Graham Mertz? I, nothing. I think what they're going to want is good decision-making, not turning the ball over. And I'm telling you that, that's, that he does that? <laughs> I don't know. Like, maybe. <laughs> I don't know. It's just like, you know, I think they're going to – they're going to be kind of like Iowa in a way. Like, it's just they're going to try to play good defense. I just don't think they're, they they don't have the secret formula that Kirk Ferentz cooks up every offseason where they have a turnover margin of plus 80 and have a defense that has, like, four future NFL players you don't know about that are going to go in, like, round four or later. So, like, yeah. that, there's the difference there. But So, I'm putting you down for the under. No, take, give me the under. Give me the and I just think that's fascinating. If they go like three and nine or four and eight, I just wonder if this recruiting class stays together. I, I think they do. I really do. Maybe they do because Miami's stayed together. Cormani uh, McLean aside, it did stay together with a pretty bad season last year. That's I think that's an example to at least maybe follow. But and that's that's kind of the thing with the era that we're in now with NIL and everything. You can have bad seasons and you can get some pretty good recruits at this point. If they have their NIL together, yeah. Like maybe they maybe they got it together now after that debacle they had. Um, I'm what not really sure. Yeah. But uh, I guess let's move on to everybody's favorite SEC East team, Vanderbilt. They they were fun to watch last year. I, I will give them that. They they were legitimately like you turned on Vanderbilt and like they weren't just getting just destroyed every single game. They beat Florida last year. Like yeah. that that was a big accomplishment. Um, they almost like they they played a good game I think against Wake Forest. I think there's a, a, a chance for a quick start here, too. Like Hawaii, Alabama, A&M, and Wake, going to Wake Forest is tough, but Sam Hartman's gone. They yeah. still have a good group of receivers, but that defense for Wake Forest has not gotten better over the years. Like, they get worse with age. So, that that's – that's I think that, that a win is in the realm of possibility. At yeah. UNLV is a winnable game. Kentucky, Missouri, at, at Florida, Georgia – bye week at Ole Miss, Auburn, at South Carolina, at Tennessee. The win total is at three and a half. And I'm going to go ahead and tell you, it will be over 
by the first four games of the season because Vanderbilt is starting 4-0, and then they are not going to win a game the rest of the season. I do not think they win a conference game, um, but I do think they beat Hawaii, Alabama, A&M. I like them. I, I, I'll go ahead and put my cards on the table now. They will go to Wake Forest and beat Wake Forest. At, at, wow. And, I think they I think they do it and then I think they go to UNLV and, and beat them. Then I think it's 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 just tricky like they're going they're going to be underdogs the rest of the way but like get, give me the over on that. Like I think it, it's not crazy like if Missouri kind of bottoms out and doesn't do well that they get them, you know, like I there, there's some chances for upsets on that schedule but give me the over. Uh the defense it's is what it is. Like I, I still think Clark Lee can get that thing going. He was a really good defensive coordinator at Notre Dame. I still think a good defense at Vanderbilt is coming at some point. They have yeah. a fun quarterback to watch. They're off there. They have a, they have um, you know AJ Swan and Will Shepard. Like that's a good duo. Like uh, you know he was an All SEC receiver last year at Vanderbilt. Like that's that's good. Like I still think they're a punching bag generally for the most part, but they're a fun punching bag at this point. <laughs> I mean. Vanderbilt, your favorite everything school. They're good at baseball. You know, they're your favorite football team to watch in the SEC East. They're just an everything school. But with that being said, I think they get three wins, and I don't think they get any more than three wins. Like that's just they're they're not uh they're not even a developmental program at this point. Like, what do you expect from Vanderbilt? I think they were fun to watch, especially quarterback play we saw last year. Like, you remember watching the Hawaii and Vanderbilt game at the start of the season last year? Like, it was just fun to watch. They, I think they put up, like, 50 on them. Um, I think they could very well do that this year. Uh, but outside of that, outside their first four weeks, I don't see them winning a game. If they do, it'd be against a Florida or somebody like that in the fashion they did last year. But go ahead and give me the under. I think they get three wins at most. All right, brother. Alabama, go. All you, um, what's understood doesn't need to be explained. They got quarterback questions, but I think I'm confident in Jalen Milrow. I am confident in Ty Simpson. I am not confident in Tyler Butner. I don't even think he sees the field this year, if I'm being honest with you. But with that being said, I think Bama is talented enough across the board. I think you're going to have arguably one of the better offensive line units they've had in the last decade. I think they have an all round great, talented running back room. Very excited to see that. Wide receivers, I really want to see who's going to step up. I think it could be Ja'Cory Brooks, former five-star guy. We've, he's kind of – you've seen him in flashes uh, throughout his career so far at Bama. Um, Jermaine Burton, I really want to see him take that leap. Transfer from Georgia came in last year. Um, then you got guys like Kobe Princess, Isaiah Bond, guys that can just run 4-3 straight down the field. Um, I think offensively under Tommy Reese, I think we're going to see a little bit more of a – all like all around just balanced running and passing game is you don't have a Bryce Young throwing the ball. You don't have a Devontae Smith catching the ball. You don't have the stable wide receivers we've seen them have in the past. Um, I think they're really going to rely on that offensive line, that running game to set up the pass. And that's just old down like smash mouth Alabama football run the ball and like I think that's what we're going to see defensively we're deep across the board I cannot wait the biggest question I really have defensively is in that middle linebacker spot I really want to see who's going to step up I think Deontay Lawson could have a good year you're going to see Dallas Turner of course you got Kool-Aid I think Caleb Downs comes in as a true freshman and just makes an immediate impact very confident on what they can do as far as rushing the passer and covering the passing game um, and I think there's still some interior D linemen that have a lot to prove um Give me what? What are they? Are they at 11, 11 and a half? 11 and a half? 10 and a half. 10 and a half? Give me the over. Give me the over. I think they won 11 games. 
Like, the only game I see them maybe losing is LSU again, but I think they win this year. But if the over-unders 10.5, give me 11 all day. Okay. Well, give me the under because – yeah, and I hate doing it. I knew I knew I was gonna get that reaction, David. I'm about I'm about to get like it's gonna get so much worse when this broadcast ends. I'm hey, telling you, like, don't I'm get nasty with it. Come on now. <laughs> Love me. I just think the quarterback thing just scares me. I just if you felt confident in Jalen Milrow or Ty Simpson, then why did you go get Tyler Buckner? That's the biggest thing that, that I get hung up on. I understand. Yeah. Why 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 go get him? Because I, like I'm not trying to hate on the kid. He just wasn't very good last year. He was bad against Ohio State. I don't even know if they were even trying to win that game. Like they, their their game plan was just weird. Marshall, he was bad. You know, I think he got benched after that game. He threw two really bad interceptions against South Carolina in the bowl game. Maybe he gets better with Tommy Reese, but Tommy Reese was at Notre Dame and actively went and got Sam Hartman to replace Alabama, and then. He goes and gets Tyler Buckner out of the portal like that. I've just I'm I've been hung up on that. Don't get me wrong, Alabama has arguably they're right there with Georgia as the best roster in college football. Their recruiting class last year was insane. I think you're going to see guys step in right away. Like I think Caleb Downs, me and you have talked about him since forever. Like it, he is Minka Fitzpatrick reincarnated. Like I, I think yeah. he is just that good. I wouldn't be surprised to see Justice Haynes at some point get some carries in the backfield, even though I, I do like Jason McClellan. He's a good player. The offensive line to me is a question mark because it's been kind of subpar the last years. Now, it's talented. Like, I, yeah. I do think they, they have – like, J.C. Latham, I think, is a good player. Like, I don't know that Alabama is hurting over J, losing J.V. on Cohen, but yeah. I, it's just the way it's performed the last two years, and then, like, it's – okay, it just kind of becomes concerning when it's just two years of – for Alabama subpar level play, I do like their receivers, but I don't know that there's a superstar. Like we, we, we talked about this last year, and it was I picked Alabama to win the national championship last year, but I said Ja'Cory Brooks is good, and it's the same as last year. Like Isaiah Bond's pretty good, Kobe Prentice is good. I just don't know that you have that guy, and if you don't have the guy, and you don't have Bryce Young to bail you out, it's just. And then I don't know how good of a hire Tommy Reese is. He could be good. I just think there's a lot. I don't think he obviously had the level of talent he did at Notre Dame, but I just have some concerns there. Now, defensively, I have zero concerns. Like, I know you've got a couple of nitpicky things. This team is going to be lights out on defense, and that's why I think they are going to be in every game. But I think there are some offenses on the schedule that are going to put points on them regardless. Like, I, we're going to see right away. They get Texas at home. Can, can you tell me why y'all are going to USF, by the way? That that's just kind of like why are y'all playing in Raymond James Stadium? That's kind of weird. Um, you know, Ole Miss at home at Mississippi State at Texas A&M. That Texas A&M game is going to be an atmosphere, and you know yeah. they won there a couple years ago. That game was a lot closer than anybody thought again last year, so it's it's at least interesting. Yeah. Then you get Arkansas for homecoming, Tennessee. At, that that that's going to be a huge revenge spot, and I know Alabama's going to be ready for that one. I'm, I'm just glad we don't have that. A road gauntlet we had last year. Like, That's fair. The road you, games last year were bad, man. It, both it was, Tennessee, Tennessee, LSU, and Texas all at home, and Ole Miss. Those are your four hardest games, in my opinion. You get them all at home. Like your hardest road game is at, is it at Texas A&M or at Auburn? Do you like what I think, game? I think it's A&M. 
Okay. Like, I don't know. I just feel like, you know, there, there's just weird things happen at all. I mean, last time, last time we went to college station, we lost. I mean, yeah. So that, that's true. So I, I think they're one of the most interesting teams in the country. Obviously, it's Alabama. You don't have to tell anybody to watch them, but it's it's going to be something to, to see what they turn into this year. But let's go to a team that I am just over the moon about heading into this year, and that that is LSU. They bring back Jaden Daniels at quarterback, and he might not even be the best quarterback on the roster. Garrett Nussmeyer looked really good at times last year. I do have concerns about their running back situation a little bit, but – I think they have arguably the best wide receiver room in the SEC. I think they have the best set of defensive playmakers in the SEC with Harold Perkins, Mason Smith, Makai Wingo. Like that, that's a really good group. Their offensive line, I think, can challenge Georgia for the best in the SEC. And the reason I'm I like LSU more than Alabama this year is on offense. There is at least a chance that LSU is significantly better at nearly every position, at least right now. Quarterback advantage LSU. No, and that's what I'm saying. Nearly every position. I'll take Alabama. Like I don't know about LSU's running backs right now. Like maybe LSU to me is better on the receiver room. I don't think it's significantly, but I just I think Malik Neighbors would be. Yeah, they have a true number one wide receiver. Like you know what to expect. Now Alabama could have one. Maybe some of those guys take the next step. But right now, I don't know. I think they are significantly more proven on the offensive line right now. Alabama is has the talent. Like they've recruited plenty of guys on the offensive line, but it's just it's a question mark. And then defensively, the secondary, um, I, I think is something I'm gonna watch this year for sure. But I, I you know, give me this team all day long. And again, I know the schedule is is not easy, like opening with Florida State. If you lose that, then you, you ha- basically have to run the rest of the season undefeated. You have to beat Alabama. You're probably you're going to have to beat Georgia in the SEC title. That's really tough. If you win that game, put it in your back pocket the rest of the way. Although I do think there's a scenario if Alabama or LSU loses to Texas or Florida State. Remember the scenario we were talking about at the end of last year, you know, LSU, you know, they had two losses, but they could still make the SEC title and upset Georgia. Could see a similar situation unfold if either Bama loses to Texas or LSU loses to Florida State early. But yeah, I think this team has a lot of room to grow. I think Brian Kelly's a great coach, and that you're going to see a significant step in year two. Uh, not the over unders at nine and a half. Give me the over. I think this team wins the SEC West. Uh, give me the over. I like them at 10 wins. It's just maybe I'm being a hater, maybe I'm being a homer. I don't know. I'll let you decide. Does that AM game not stick out to you at all like a sore thumb? It does, just simply for the fact of that that game was they played terrible in that game last year. AM is gonna have a really good defense, but I like it because it's in Baton Rouge. Yeah. They put I, that game at night. You can go ahead. I just up. I just think about that and it's just I understand the success they had, and it was a lot more success than we thought Brian Kelly would have in year one, but because of that. A little bit of recency bias. Are we getting too ahead of ourselves on LSU? I think talent-wise, it's no question. But can we guarantee they're going to win every game that they're supposed to win? That's the biggest question. Because I don't think they win against Florida State. So I think they're in dogfight mode for the rest of the season. You would have to beat Alabama. Um, I just – I'm not confident they can win every game after Florida State. I I just have no faith in that whatsoever. Like, even if they beat Bama, could they lose to an A&M? Could they get into a dogfight with an Ole Miss? Like, 
I don't know. I think talent-wise, they're up to par with Bama and Georgia. I think what he's done with that offensive line, with that wide receiver room, that defense, they probably have the best defense player in the country in Harold Perkins. I love him to death. But can you guarantee that they're going to win every game they're supposed to? I say no. I think they can win 10 win. I think they can win 10 games easily. I think they finished second in the West. Um, but if they did win the West, it wouldn't surprise me. I think they have the talent to do that, but I don't see them doing any more than that. Okay, well, at least I got you on the over with me. So there's that. <laughs> they set that bar really low. I mean, either way, I think they're a 10 win team regardless. Yeah. Like, there's going to be a battle for third place in the SEC West. There are two teams with a seven and a half win total. I'm going to start with Ole Miss. Um, they're the team I'm picking to finish third. They have maybe the most fascinating quarterback battle in the country. I know Alabama and some of these others are going to get attention, but Jackson Dart, who I thought would be a lot better last year, low-key was not very good. Like yeah. That running game really carried them. You bring in Spencer Sanders, who I, I've hated on him through the years, but he's a productive player. He's a good – He's his ceiling is a good player. Like He, he is yeah. a – he's a fine player. Walker Howard is kind of the wild card to me in all this. Like he could yeah. – I mean, he has maybe the most raw talent out of any of them. He could. Yeah, I think he has the most arm talent in that room. Yeah. yeah. We just haven't seen him play a whole lot. But he kind of knew the writing was on the wall with Jaden Daniels and Garrett Nussmeyer at LSU, so he got out of there. I think they had the best running back in the SEC in Quinshawn Judkins. Like, he's the Probably real dude. running back in the country. Dude's unreal. Like, he's just – yeah. And getting Zachary Franklin from UTSA out of the portal I think was a big help to them. Uh, and with Lane Kiffin as a play caller, I at least expect them to be good on offense. Like if they don't get better quarterback play, they are. They, I think their ceiling is capped. Obviously, yeah. But defensive, I've got a ton of question marks on. Like they, they just they bring in Georgia Tech guys every offseason. Like they brought in Jared Ivy before the start of last season. They get Zamari Walton at corner. Um, and Aquilo Stone at defensive tackle. If, if Zamari Walton has stayed at Georgia Tech, I think they have a top four secondary in the ACC. I know people may call me crazy when I say that, but Zamari Walton's a really good player, and you put him with the other guys that Tech has in secondary, they have been pretty good. But we're going to talk Georgia Tech another day. So Ole Miss, I just think they're going to have to answer questions defensively. And then, you know, the, the schedule is – I don't know how many times we've said this tonight, but it's a bear. And yeah. that, no pun intended, they do start with the Mercer Bears in Oxford, so that's a win at least. So they go to Tulane. Like that, that that's gonna be a oh. crazy, crazy, crazy atmosphere. That's tough. That I might be out of pocket here, but is uh, that's is that the biggest game in Tulane ever? I know they, they've had they, – they were a really good program a, a long time ago. So I, I would say yes because that's probably the biggest brand they're going to have come in there that they actually think they have a chance at winning. So, yeah. Former SEC member Tulane. So, just yeah. Right there. They do get Georgia Tech at home. Then they get Alabama. Then LSU. Like, they play Tulane, Alabama, and LSU all in September. That That's – I don't care. It's, I don't care who you are. And then you go to Arkansas. They get Arkansas at home. A bye week. They go to Auburn, Vanderbilt at home, Texas A&M at home, at Georgia, ULM at home, Louisiana Monroe, and then the Egg Bowl in Starkville. That's that's tough. I am a very cautious over here. I, I do like this team going into the year if they can feel I just think their offense has a potential to be really good if they can figure the quarterback thing out. And yeah. I think their defense – like I like their transfer portal additions – Man, but it, it it could be really tough if they go to Tulane and lose week two. Um, 
I have Ole Miss finishing at number four behind AM. I'm not high on Ole Miss this year. I was high on them last year. I'm not high on them this year. I got so many questions about that defense. I trust Lane Kiffin as an offensive genius. He's top three play caller in the country. Um, I think he's going to choose the best guy at quarterback. But either way, knowing Lane Kiffin, he would probably play all three quarterbacks at some point in the season just because that's him. That's who he is. He's going to find the guy. Um, that's not the question. They got a top three running back. If not top two, top one running back, he's, he can push Blake Quorum. I really feel like it. But Quinshawn Jenkins, I, he's that good. He's that good of a kid. Um, they're really going to rely on him offensively. But defensively, I have so many questions about them. Give me seven wins for Ole Miss this year. I don't think it happens this year. I think they take a little bit of a leap next year. But this year, I'm, I don't have a lot of faith in them. Um, I think I have a little bit more faith in a team like Texas A&M. Yeah, I mean, I guess we'll just go right into that Texas A&M. Man, that they're going to have the spotlights on them again this season because Jimbo Fisher is on the hot seat, which is crazy to say about somebody that would be owed, I think, $86 million. Somebody that's worth 80-something-plus million dollars. <laughs> I would be, here's the thing. Jimbo might be trying to get fired because I cannot think of a person who I would want to try to get fired more by doing – it's like, Hire Bobby Petrino to end things. Like, just give me my $86 million and let me go do whatever Jimbo Fisher does for fun. Yeah. But um, I think this defense, you know, I'll start with the good news. I think this defense could be great. Like, I think yeah. it really, really could be good. Like, I, that, I know that's, that's why guys. I like them over Ole Miss. I don't have many questions about their defense at all. And I think, like, they have more offensive playmakers. I think it's just the other stuff. Oh, Texas A&M could just implode. Like, they could be. They could finish like sixth or seventh in this division. Like, let's not kid ourselves here. But they but, could. They could finish at number two. Like, they have the talent to be able to do that. You know? Could they win it? Could they win the SC West? If they hit, the, if they really hit their potential, could they win the division? I think they could, but I just don't think they're going to. Talent wise, yes, I think they got one of the more talented rosters in the country. However. Future Jimbo, because uh, I don't. So no, I, 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 me personally, I don't think that could happen. But talent wise, I think they have a talented enough roster to do so. Just saying, if everything goes well, um, all thing, all things going their way, yeah, I think they, I think they could be like a two loss SEC West champion. I think Evan Stewart has t- the potential to be the, he's the most talented receiver in the whole conference, one of the best in the country. Um, yeah. I, he's really good. It's. It's elsewhere. It's you know. It's just Connor Wigman. Is he had some flashes last year, I like but him. I like him a lot. He's not the guy. They have there's question marks there. Um, yeah. The running you're going to miss Devon A Chain. Like he was a really good player last year. Yeah. The offensive line I do have questions about. The defensive line is what excites me about this team. Shamar yeah. Stewart, Walter Nolan, like some of those guys. Some of those young guys that maybe didn't get on the field as much last year. That that secondary is going to be really good. Schedule's challenging. You know, you open with New Mexico at home. You go to Miami. People like to hate on Miami's home crowd for for reasons, and I do get it. I do think that stadium would be packed out for that game because Miami, you know, they won't have – they'll beat Miami, Ohio to start the year off. They'll be undefeated coming into that game. They'll be ready for that one. Um, Then you, you get ULM at home, Auburn at home, Arkansas neutral site, Alabama at home, at Tennessee. Man, Alabama, Tennessee, back to back. By week, South Carolina at home, at Ole Miss, Mississippi State at home, Abilene Christian, and then you finish up the year by going to Baton Rouge. Uh, give me the under seven and a half. I just don't trust them. 
That's my thing. I just don't trust them. Give me the over. I like them at eight wins. Just the talent. Like, I understand we say that the last couple years about Jimbo. You got Bobby Petrino. There's no excuse at this point. Like, there's really no excuse why they can't win eight games. Um, I think they can get it done. Now, it's going to be a very abysmal eight-win season. You know, like, it is nothing going to be spectacular. It's not going to be like Tennessee was last year where they're just dominant and they fold at the end of the season. I don't see that with A&M this year, but I think they can rattle off eight wins. They have the talent. Like, if you just send them out there, no coaches, I think they're talented enough. I think they could win eight games this year. So, give me the over on that, and I, I like them finishing top three in the West. Half the time they go out there, they look like they ain't got no coaches because that team – only scored 20 points against UMass last year. So let's just yeah. – But then they come back and beat LSU. Like it's in the, and blew them out too. Yeah. <laughs> so like they're talented I, enough they can get away with that. Um, let's go to Auburn. Uh, win total of six and a half. Hugh Freeze's first season, we talked about it there. I think it's, it's going to be interesting, um, you know, I think I think Peyton Thorne is probably going to be the starter. I don't think they would have brought him in if otherwise. Uh, Jarquez Hunter, I do think uh, like people love tanks big. Tank I got big a lot of faith in Jarquez Hunter. Jarquez Hunter is really good. He is really good, and I, I I think this defense could be better. If you told me they finished third in the West, I don't think I'd call you crazy. I don't think it's going to happen. Mm. I'm taking, but I at the end of the day, I am taking the under here at, at six and a half. Uh, I think six and six is probably the most likely scenario, more than seven and five, because again, Auburn just they're always going to play. Um, one of the toughest schedules in the country. Their non-con though is is pretty manageable. Although they do, I don't know if you knew this. They have a weird road game week two of the season. They go to Cal. I saw that. Yeah, and they play at ten thirty on ESPN. That is going to be just a weird watch. Like it's, I don't know what to do with that. But they should beat UMass, Cal, and Samford to start the year. Yeah, and then they go to Kyle Field and play Texas A&M, and then they get Georgia at home. Yeah. My week at LSU, like it, Texas A&M, Georgia, LSU, and then Ole Miss at home. Like that's a really tough stretch before you get Mississippi State at home, at Vanderbilt, at Arkansas, New Mexico State, and Alabama to end the season. I, I do think there's potential for seven, eight wins there, but give me the under on Auburn. I just think they're probably a year or two away from from making noise. Um. Give me the under. I don't have faith right now because Hugh Freeze didn't come in and have much to work with right off the bat. You know what I mean? Like the talent wasn't necessarily there. Um, they got to beef up the trenches. They got a defensive line and offensive line. I think they're going to have issues again this year. Running back, Jarquez Hunter, I think he's going to be very, very good. I think he can be a thousand yard back. Um, Peyton Thorne, I think he's already a better quarterback option than Robbie Ashford and TJ Finley, what they had to deal with last year. Um, wide receivers, I mean, they got to have a guy step up. They've always had pretty decent tight ends, I feel like. Shout out to my guy, Tyler Fromm. Um, they've, they got guys that can block. They got guys that can pass at tight end. So I think that's kind of – that's a high point on their offense. Defensively, though, they got to get some identity because, I mean, they used to be bruisers on defense, dude. They used to be physical, downhill. Like, you know that you weren't just going to run up the middle all game on them. And then they had guys in the back end that could create picks in the secondary. Um, but I, I just don't see them having that this year. Um, but I, I got a little bit of faith in Hugh Freeze. I feel like next year he could turn it around a little bit. This year he's just really working uh, with what he came in with. Um, what was their over-under? 
Six and a half. And now that I'm, I look through the schedule, give me the over now. It's not that my view of Auburn has changed as a team. I just think their schedule is manageable. Like, yeah. I think well, they, they don't have to play Penn State this year, you know, like, it's nothing yeah, like that. Thing. Yeah. Like, they, UMass to me is a win. At Cal's a win. Sanford's a win. Um, and New Mexico State's a win. That's four. And at Vanderbilt, those are five wins, like, right off the bat. And then you just got to get two more. To get the seven. Mississippi State, winnable game. At Arkansas is a winnable game. Um, and then, uh, to me, it's going to be those seven. Like, I think at Texas A&M is tough. Georgia's tough. Ole Miss is tough. Alabama's tough. LSU's tough. But I, 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 I'm I, kind of optimistic on them a little bit. I, I, give me the over, though. I'm going to switch my pick up. Give me the under. I like them at six. I think they can make a bowl game. Um. Got two more to go here. Arkansas is in a bit of a weird spot to me. Um, over under is at seven, actually. Oh, wow. KJ Jefferson is back. Rocket Sanders is back. They are losing Kendall Browse as offensive coordinator, and Dan Enos is in now. I don't know how to feel about that. Their schedule is uh, – it's, it's just – it's like it always is. It's challenging. I don't – they're non-conference. They don't have any of these crazy weird games in October, like, you know, when they went to BYU last year for whatever reason. Um, they start off with Western Carolina, Kent State, BYU. Then they go to LSU. You get the neutral site game with Texas A&M at Ole Miss, at Alabama, Mississippi State at home. Then you get a bye week to close out October at Florida, Auburn, FIU, and then the Missouri game on Black Friday. Yeah, Give me the under. I I just don't – I like the running game of this team. I think their offensive line – like you can expect the Sam Pittman coach team to have a good offensive line. K.J. Jefferson and Rocket Sanders I think are a really good duo. But, man, it's the, the receivers – you know, we talked about Jadon Hazelwood last year as somebody that could step into that Traylon Burks role. That's just – I just don't think that's going to – Traylon Burks was really, really good in college. They haven't really found production at receiver to replace him. Barry Odom, the defense coordinator, he's also going to be the head coach at UNLV. He was kind of underrated a little bit. So, I, their defense I'm kind of concerned about. I, I think this is easy under here. I'm, I don't have a lot of faith in this team this year, and I hate to say it because I like Pittman, but – I, I we're in the same boat. I think their identity is going to be running the football and being physical up front on the offensive line. Defensively, they couldn't stop a cold last year. Their DBs were absolutely abysmal. They're going to have to be more physical and honestly be schematically a lot better defensively if they're not going to have just top-tier talent in that back end. They don't have wide receiver talent. Uh, I think K.J. Jefferson is actually a very good quarterback. But, I mean, you've made the point a lot of times, like, he didn't have a Traylon Burks to bail him out last year. Okay, we'll put Bryce Young in that Arkansas offense last year with those wide receivers. I don't think Bryce Young is Bryce Young by any stretch. So, I mean, I think K.J. Jefferson is a good quarterback. Um, he's going to have to pull out his best the best Anthony Richardson impression. Um, he's going to have to run the ball. He's going to have to make freakish plays. That's their only hope on offense. Um, give me the under, though. That's a very, very, very easy under. I don't know why they have him, have them at seven. Let's finish it up. Um, unfortunately, Mike Leach is not the coach of Mississippi State anymore. Rest in peace. But um, I'll say this. Will Rogers is one of the most experienced QBs in the SEC. He's a good player. I don't have much else good to say about this team. I, I don't like the hires. They're going completely away from the air raid and going to a completely different yeah. style. I'm not loving that. That's why I don't like Will Rogers. I wish he could get out of that system, but – Mississippi State is is just really tough, man. Their schedule is tough. It, 
Will Arnett, I don't know how he's going to be as a first-year head coach. Um, yeah. I think we're going to see right away, you know, Arizona comes into Starkville week two, which is kind of a weird uh, non-con matchup. And the Pac-12 has never fared well on the road in the SEC, but under six and a half all day for me on Mississippi State. And I hate to say it, I just, I just, I just don't know what much good I can say about this team, really. Mike Leach, God rest his soul. Um, I, I just – I don't see what Miss, Mississippi State is if they're not air raid, you know. like that, that was their identity for a long time. Will Rogers, very experienced quarterback, very under underrated quarterback. Duke can throw with just about anybody. Like, that's how he's made his bread and butter. But – what do you what do you expect? I don't think they're going to have a running game. Defensively, I don't think they're going to be anything to talk about. Give me the under all day. All right. We are here at the end of the show, and we're going to rattle off a couple of things here. We're going to talk about – kind of our like superlatives, I guess. You know, talk about some teams we think overrated, underrated, players of the year, that type of thing. And then we're going to get out of here. I know it's been a little bit of a long show, but this is, this is us. Like, this is just us talking college football right here. We could do it for – more hours. If like, literally, we have these conversations all day. We That's the thing. Like people, people don't realize during our pre-show meetings, our pre-show meetings last forever because like yeah. we just get on these like weird tangents from talking about things from two thousand and six or seven or, or you know whatever and then what we like. like so, we'll have weird epiphanies throughout the day and just text each other hypotheticals. Yeah, like that's just us. That's what makes the show a lot of fun. So. All right, we'll get started, and we'll, we'll, you know, we've talked about every team at length here, so we'll just kind of make these quick. Most overrated team, I'm going Texas A&M for all the reasons I said. I just, yeah. you can talk about the town all you want to. I don't trust the coaching. I don't trust the vibes around that program. I think it's A&M. Uh, I think it's LSU. I don't. I think they're talented, and I like Brian Kelly. I think they have the coach, but. I think it's a little bit of recency bias to seeing what they did last year. Can you guarantee that they have similar success to what they have last year? I don't think I don't think you can guarantee that. Yeah, I mean, I I guess you're saying un, overrated from a, maybe you don't view them as a national title contender, just a good team. Yes, yes, okay. very much. Like having like everybody's on the hype that oh LSU can win the West, LSU can make the playoffs. I don't see that happening. Most underrated team. I, Give me LSU. I just, I think, and I, it's crazy to say, it's just, I just think when you I hear people them to win the West and now they're underrated. What? No, I, just, I think from a national perspective, like for me, okay. they're not, they're not underrated. I just think when they're talked about, I just don't think they're, they're getting put in the same class as Georgia. I, I wanted to say Ole Miss right here to be perfectly honest with you. Yeah. But like, cause I do think they're underrated. I just don't know what they're, ceiling is necessary i think lsu can win the national title if they hit their ceiling and i, I don't think people talk about them enough in that light it's kind of like how you were saying they're overrated but they're still good yeah um underrated give me the beamer boys down in columbia give me south carolina i love shane beamer like i will preach that all season long i think south carolina if spencer Rattler can be what he needs to be i think they can rattle off some wins and i think they could shake up the east a little bit okay all right, you go first. SEC Offensive Player of the Year. Quinshawn Junkins, I don't think this is – I don't think it's close at all. He's going to – he's the best running back in the SEC, and I think he could be one of the best players in the country by far. I thought about him. I thought about Brock Bowers. I thought about Malik Neighbors. I'm going to go Jaden Daniels. I think he's going to be – Interesting. Yeah, I, I just think he's going to be able to put up um, – he, he proved me totally wrong last year. I'm kind of on his bandwagon now. I was not last year, but I, give me Jaden Daniels here. I know – I just think at the end of the day, a quarterback is somehow going to get it. And I don't know if Judkins is going to – like if they're 8-4, are they going to give it to him unless he rushes for 2,400 yards 
or yeah. something. Uh, and I just think at Brock Bowers, it's going to be tough to put up that that many yards, especially in games that could be blowouts. He might not he, he might not play the second half of a game till like November. So, yeah. uh, SEC Defensive Player of the Year. I feel like this could be a, a unanimous here. You go first though. Why you do that to me, man? Because <laughs> I know. I, I know you know ball, and I know you're going to pick. I love Harold Perkins, but I can't. Oh, off or not, then. I like Kool-Aid. It's not Kool-Aid's not a bad pick there. I think he's the best DB in the country. I think he can really – I think he can really win it. I think he's I, that good. Give me, give me Harold Perkins, most versatile player in the country. I, He would be a top five pick if he had come out last year. That is – if it's not Kool-Aid, it's Harold, yeah. Coach of the year, SEC coach of the year. Kirby Smart. I think he proves that this can be a consistent thing in Athens. I think that they're not – I think they're going to deal with the complacency. I think they're going to deal with the pressure. I think they're going to be back in the college football playoff. I, I, give me Kirby Smart. Give me Brian Kelly. I, I think it, it, it's – to me, it's either going to be him or Kirby Smart, but like, give me Brian Kelly. I, I think I, – I just think it's his, his time to get it this year. All right. Do you have a bold prediction? For the SEC this year, <sighs> bold prediction. Uh, let me find it. Well, I'll go first while you find it. You gotta, I think, you gotta, you gotta I think the head. SEC is going to get two teams in the playoff. Mm. Who's it going to be? Uh, give me a second. I'll tell you when we when we do our order of finish. I'll tell you. Okay, uh, my bold prediction uh, is not really an SEC bold prediction. It's just the SEC team. I think South Carolina can be a nine-one team. Okay. I don't think that's that, that's not too off the. It's bold, but you don't hear that with South Carolina, you know. Yeah. All right. Order of finish. Um, I think in the East, I think Georgia wins it. I think Tennessee is second. Um, let's see. I, I like South Carolina third here. Give me Kentucky fourth, Missouri fifth, or Florida fifth, excuse me. Missouri sixth, and then Vanderbilt seventh. I'm sorry, Commodores. In the West, give me, I like LSU to win it. Alabama, a very close second, followed by Ole Miss, Texas A&M, Auburn, Arkansas, Mississippi State. Uh, in the East, give me Georgia, of course. Then I like Tennessee, and then I like South Carolina. Give me Florida. I, I trust Billy Napier that much. Um, give me Kentucky, Missouri, and Vanderbilt. Uh, in the West, give me Bama, LSU, A&M, Ole Miss, Arkansas, Auburn, Mississippi State. All right. I think LSU beats Georgia in the SEC championship game. I, I'm, I told you at the beginning of the show, I'm over the moon about LSU this year. I think they both meet in the in the SEC title game undefeated. I think by at that point in time, I think they both have playoff spots locked up. Even Georgia with the kind of if Georgia finishes undefeated in the regular season, I don't care their schedule. They're going to the playoffs. Yeah. I think LSU is going to finish the year undefeated. They'll have wins over Florida State, Alabama, Ole Miss, all that. In a really good game, I think LSU will be the first team since the SEC championship two years ago to beat Georgia when it was Alabama that beat Georgia. That's nasty business. I can't believe you just said that. Um, No, I think Georgia makes playoff, of course, but I think Bama makes it if it's anybody. You know, like I don't know how that's going to turn out um, because you got to sit here and think what hurts harder, like, Losing to Florida State week one or losing to Texas in week two? What do you think will hit harder? Uh, it might be Texas. I don't know. I just see it as Florida State. We'll see. 
But you pick well, on that one. You're 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 going Bama over Georgia. Uh, or are you going to go Georgia? I'm gonna go Georgia. I think I think it's gonna be a matter of they're gonna be healthier because their strength of schedule just wasn't there, so they're not gonna have to just make guys play 60, 70, 80 uh, snaps a game. I think they're going to be healthier, and I think they're just going to be more primed. Yep. That'll do it. We are finally at the end of our SEC preview. And, like, obviously every show is not going to be this long, but really, really like digging in. Of course, you know, Kobe is an Alabama fan. He's got he's to dig into the Crimson Tide a little bit. But we appreciate anybody that tuned in and watched. We are going to be live streaming from here for, for forever now. We'll be back next Wednesday evening. Um, to do we we don't we haven't decided what conference we're gonna do we're gonna keep that a surprise but we're we're gonna bring you another uh, power five preview um kobe you got anything else before we get out here man no brother just counting down the days to the start of the season we're getting closer i can sniff it in the air i'm ready i'm ready for another season of the goal line stand podcast we're gonna have a lot of fun this year yes sir absolutely be sure to like and subscribe. Uh, like the video on YouTube. Subscribe wherever you do your podcast. We we really appreciate it. We we're trying to to really build a community here, and it's it, it's uh we we love doing this. It, it's it's a lot of fun for us. Um, you know, I obviously cover the sport, but I've been watching it since I was able to watch anything, and it, it's it's a lot of fun. So we appreciate it. If, if anybody would like and subscribe to the podcast. Be sure to follow him on social media at Kobe Bean. You can see our, our ads underneath. Follow the goal line stand. Follow me at Jackson Caldell. Go check out allyellowjackets.com. There's going to be plenty of Georgia Tech content coming in the next week or so with ACC Media Days coming up. But that is going to do it for us. That is Kobe Reed. I'm Jackson Caldell. Goal line stand. Peace.